It's in the Canadian Rockies. It's right in between Banff and Jasper, right off the Icefields Parkway Highway, maybe about 40 minutes. Abraham Lake. It's that turquoise color you see with Lake Louise and Moraine Lake. It's got gorgeous mountains around it, but it feels so rugged, like, like that's Lord of the Rings scenery right there. And the methane bubbles. So in the winter, this lake freezes and um, the, the methane in the water creates these beautiful frozen bubble cascades. It's been featured on National Geographic. It's one of the most beautiful, cool things, Jane. Well, I, here's my problem, James. I want to go back everywhere I've been, but I also want to go to everywhere I haven't been. So if we need to, we need to figure out how I can. Like we've, like I said, we've only been dating just over a year. Feels just like yesterday. Just like yesterday. Kyle. Yeah. You know, between the between the podcast and and we've got some special projects that we've been doing. We actually haven't been able to get away from some of the mountainy things like this this has become a little bit of a job for us now on on the side yeah yeah and you know it's not anything that's gonna let us leave our day job but it's more the social connections right we meet yeah. these people and they have these same passions the people we've met in the last nine months it's just been it's been amazing uh, and, yeah and i remember like on one of our first trips I have it actually, I wish I could pull that out, but I have a video of you saying while you were driving to Abraham Lake, you said, even if, this is before we had our podcast posted, even if 30 people listen to our podcast, and that's all that ever listens, at least we're doing some really amazing things in beautiful places, and that's all that really matters in the end to us, I think. Welcome to the Winging It Travel Podcast with me, James Hammond, where every Monday I'll be joined by guests to talk about their travel stories, travel tips, backpacking advice, and so much more. Right now, I'm taking the podcast on the road traveling with me. So tune in every week for short form episodes detailing all my travels alongside my Monday guest episode. Are you a backpacker, traveler, gap year student, or simply someone who loves to travel? Then this is the podcast for you. This is a casual, informative podcast designed for you to inspire you to travel. There'll be stories to tell, tips to share, and experiences to inspire. Welcome to the show. Let's get into the episode. Hello and welcome to this week's episode where I'm joined by Kyle and Teresa from the Mountain Town Ramblers podcast. Today we're going to talk about that said podcast, their previous travels, their travel philosophy, what's in store for the future, and obviously get to know the guys. So Kyle and Teresa, welcome to the show. How are you doing? for having us james we're doing really well thanks thank you we're doing fantastic yeah yeah that's brilliant keeping warm in edmonton <laughs> oh crikey come to that in a second so you are based in canada and you are based in edmonton i presume that's right edmonton alberta canada born and raised for me yeah and the same for me born and raised uh, my whole life in edmonton uh just a yeah two and a half hour drive to the first view of the mountains uh so nice and close yep Nice. And maybe for people who don't know much about Edmonton, can you describe what Edmonton is like and where it is maybe in Canada too? 
<laughs> I want to let you describe Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Oh, I Canada. could just give you all sorts of statistics some and fun, demographics. I want some fun facts and history. <laughs> Reel the people in, Kyle. Well, uh, Edmonton is the capital city of Alberta, uh, one of the provinces in Canada. Uh, just over a million people, 1.2, 1.3 million people. Uh, it is a... What, what was that little gesture you did? <laughs> gesture. Did I don't know if you saw that, James. She does this gesture. Is that okay? Noise, and I'm supposed to know what that means. <laughs> that was my under the table hint to talk about the Edmonton Oilers. Oh, the, is that hockey <laughs> reference? Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's the pop noise? Okay. I don't know. Uh, yeah, big professional Edmonton Oilers hockey team that's uh, in the winter. A lot of people are talking about that. Mm-hmm. Beautiful River Valley, probably the nicest in the country, I would uh, say. I've been to most of the, yeah. the places. It's. Uh, uh, North America's largest and longest, uh, what do they call it? Urban parkland. Urban parkland. So oh. we tried to walk the entire River Valley through the city. Uh, October. Was, uh, in October. And it's about 52 kilometers of uninterrupted wow. path. And uh, yeah, the blisters got to us at about 32. Was and it? I was hungry and needed a burger. So we stopped <laughs> at 32 kilometers and called it a day. <laughs> So a beautiful <laughs> summer city, lots of festivals, beautiful place to hang out in the summer. In the winter, uh, it's not the biggest tourist draw for sure. But in the summer, it really is. It's a nice place. Good job. You did a very good job. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the winter, at least you can come check out the hockey game. Yeah. Which is uh, a pretty cool deal with the new stadium here. So that's yeah. nice. And it gets, gets pretty cold where you are, right? Like proper cold. Well, yeah, we were... Uh, we were in Banff, uh, what was that, two weekends ago? Yeah. And uh, it definitely was very close to minus 40 Celsius with the wind chill, probably 31 with yeah. the uh, just the regular temperature. But yeah. wow. uh, we, we, we can get to minus 40 usually every couple of years. We'll get a spell of it. Yeah, we already had our cold snap for the year. I'm calling that done. I think we're done for the cold weather. <laughs> You've done it now. Yeah. Did I just jinx ourselves? But, yeah, it can get cold, James. But I think today, what, minus 11 or 12 today? Was it? Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, it was, it was fine. Wow. Yeah. I thought it was cold here at five degrees. Yeah. So, no, you're in Vancouver. It's <laughs> not cold in Vancouver. Well, yeah, it is rainy. I get, you have to say that. But yeah, it is cold, oh. I think. Well, you just got a huge dump of snow, too, right? That's true. They did. Yeah, it's all yeah. gone. I heard all gone. I didn't. Uh, didn't take well and melted yeah. already Jesus the rain well i don't feel sorry for you <laughs> <laughs> okay so you both are from edmonton originally and you grew up there yeah. as well correct and That's what right. do you both do for work based in edmonton oh i get to go first uh 20 years oh now i'm for sure telling my age i've been working for the government of alberta for 20 years um as a policy analyst program developer so politics Public service, mm-hmm. office job, nine to five. Okay. I know. It's not super exciting, <laughs> which is why we do go to the mountains a lot. <laughs> and yeah, for myself, for the last uh, second career for me, for the last 16 years, I'm, I'm a teacher. I'm a junior high math teacher. It's it's, it's all that it sounds like. <laughs> what was the first career? Uh, I, I, I was a financial controller for a government. I, I had a finance yeah. career yeah so, fancy a change yeah it's sitting in front of a desk all day like Teresa does is not my thing so yeah yeah I mean I do talk about that quite a lot on the podcast yeah. it is a thing that I guess that you have to try and keep interesting because otherwise it can just 
really see monotonous content like day in day out yeah a hundred percent it was a big i think our careers and our day-to-day life and and sitting in an office and doing the kind of work we do really lent itself to us having a need for being more creative and having some more adventures in our life Mm -hmm. and that need for some autonomy and uh, creativity really led us to developing our podcast actually would you say that's a good yeah i remember when i i I came up with this idea and i presented it to you yeah and i think we just really went with it it was different from our you know like i said nine to five jobs and it was something that we could just go and you know if anyone listened to the podcast or watched the videos that would be great but we didn't care either way we just go and we do our adventures and uh, it it gave us a reason not that you need one but an excuse to kind of get out and 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 be more in the outdoors and that kind of stuff so uh, it's been a you know it's what we do in our our, it's our, our, our our hobby is it takes up all of our time now you know what i call it i call it our passion project <laughs> yes. yeah passion's a good word i think that's a good description a passion yeah. project <laughs> and it's just sort of snowballing into different opportunities and it's been really fun yeah so now our jobs are our jobs and we're getting all of this satisfaction and and motivation in another area of our life which is really exciting nice and growing up in edmonton was there much travel uh, adventures as kids do you remember you go first on this one kyle that's a tough one uh to be honest no um i remember as a younger child my mom and my sister you know we went to disney world one time i remember doing that when i was maybe six uh but most of the time it was actually driving out to where you sort of your neck of the woods we had family in victoria so we would drive through the mountains to victoria and we would hang out on the island for a week and then we'd drive home and it was that was every summer for most of my childhood until my i guess mid-teen years and then we stopped so Hmm. uh i had never gone anywhere other than florida or bc or alberta in my whole life until i was an adult interesting yeah it's kind of the same for me so my childhood travels consisted of road trips to see family in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Okay. And or little weekend jaunts to the lakes in Alberta. There really was no airplane travel. There Mm. was no going outside of Canada. The first time I ever left Canada was um, on, I was 19 and I went on a girl's trip to Mexico with my mom and my sister. That was my first international travel experience. I know. I felt so proud of myself. I paid for it all by myself. <laughs> and that was, I was like, I'm not stopping. Oh, I remember my first international trip on my, as an adult, it was uh, my buddy, uh, still friends today, but we went to Vancouver and Seattle just on a road trip, jumped in the car that was probably not worthy to, oh, no. <laughs> to go through the mountains. But uh, yeah, the first time I'd ever seen a hostel in my life, oh, yeah. I stayed at the hostel in Vancouver right on the beach there. It was amazing. And stayed on uh, some cool islands uh, outside of Seattle in some hostels. It was it was cool. And that was probably the, the thing that made me want to do that was that adventure, actually. And then I'm just like, I wanted to do more and more of that. So It seems within reach now. Yeah, that's the next question. Did that inspire you to maybe think, okay, I do want to do more maybe international travel, not just your own country? Yeah, I, I'm. You, you go ahead. You tell me. Oh, look at us. We're both like <laughs> leaning back. So... <laughs> 
For me, I remember I was graduating university and I really wanted to get the heck out of Edmonton. No, no disgrace for Edmonton. Edmonton's lovely. But I had this, I was chomping at the bit to see the world. I had been living at home. I really wanted like this sense of independence. And I, I've always wanted to travel across Europe and live abroad. And I was going to this um, session with my friend who was getting information on a program called uh, the JET program. And it was this Japanese exchange teaching program. And I really just went because I was driving her home. But I was so intrigued after listening to this information session that I applied and thought, why not? I'll try. That would be interesting. But I had never, ever thought of going to Japan in my life mm -hmm. before this session. But I'll, I'll just try. That was the first time I was super interested in taking a huge risk in international travel was was that. And I ended up getting in and and going to Japan. And I don't think I've ever looked back. I've always wanted to explore and see as many worlds as I, worlds, countries as I could <laughs> in the world ever since that, that day. Yeah. For, for me, it was a little bit different. I, I was married very young at, uh, at 20 and was a dad oh, wow. pretty early, you know, maybe 23, 23 or something like that. So no, I was 23 for sure. And so we were poor. I was, uh, you know, a couple of university degrees that I, you know, we would put myself through school. And so it was mostly road trips for us. We would go to Idaho. I think we made a trip to Las Vegas one time, which isn't too far from here if you're willing to do the drive. And so that's a driving of the Western US and Western Canada. But I didn't get to Europe in my first trip uh, or even outside of the US or Canada until 2010. So I was 30 five when I got my first sort of real international outside of Canada or US. Mm. And in the last 12 years, that's when it's been anytime I can get on a plane and go somewhere, except for the last two years. But the last, the last decade has been crazy for travel for me. So yeah. Oh, wow. Making up for lost time. That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, th and those road trips you mentioned in Canada and US, it's quite a classic thing, isn't it? That maybe Europeans hear a lot from, yeah, from guys over here because it's vast lands to go and see but flying's not really an option so you, you get in your car and you drive like to ontario for example from yours in edmonton i mean how long does that take well i've done that trip quite a few times i did it last summer actually i drove to uh, kingston mm. but uh to get to toronto from edmonton let's say it's about 35 <laughs> hours give or take i think if i remember yeah. wow yeah yeah so it's, it's it's a stop along the way <laughs> yeah. and, and spend some time visiting some some things but I've, I've done that cross canada trip and actually drove to florida a few years back oh, wow. too. <laughs> we've done the 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 big one i took my daughter on a big road trip about 10 years ago and stuff that's was, a big one yeah yeah we so sault st marie was 33 hours so we are not quite as far as Tor toronto well, Toronto must be 40. It must be. Yeah, yeah I don't know. But thir 33 hours to Sault Ste. Marie. And, and I think I was telling you this the other day, Kyle, but I, I was 12 and my sister was 14. And my parents couldn't afford a flight because tickets, airplane tickets from Edmonton to Sault Ste. Marie or Toronto, like they're really expensive. Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. And cost prohibitive to most people. Mm -hmm. So that's why you get the road trips. But Especially for taking three or four people, right? Oh, my like, God. Yeah, and gas so, used to be 50 cents a liter, right? Oh, my gosh. I know. <laughs> but I remember my mom shipping us off on a Greyhound bus one summer to go visit our grandma in Sault Ste. Marie. Yeah, that was our first wow. like solo venture into the unknown world of 
Canada Greyhounds <laughs> station. That was a little scary, yeah. Yeah. but we survived. Yes, yeah, it's, it's crazy distances, isn't it? It's hard to even fathom somewhere as small as like UK, where like you can get to Scotland in six, yeah. seven hours from from London if you like. It's hard to kind of think of those distances as that is not like just a, a quick trip there. You got to stop off at here and there, and then probably get to your destination. Yeah. That's well, right. And it's crazy. And I think you're going to ask this later on, but like I, we did that trip to Florida and that, if, I don't know how many hours it is if you were to drive it straight, but we spent seven weeks on that Canada US trip. But then I took my daughter also to Europe um, and we did seven weeks. We rented a car in Amsterdam and mm. in far less kilometers, I don't know how, 11 or 12 countries we ended up in. <laughs> and just the, the the language zones and the different cultural experiences that you could have in Europe by getting a car and driving half a day that, you, you know, you wouldn't leave the province in, in Canada in that time. So, yeah, that's funny. Oh, unreal, unreal. I think US is obviously a bit different because they've got more people, right, and more states. So maybe Canada's quite vast in most of the country because... You know, flying back yesterday or the day before, when you're going over towards Montreal and that like north eastern part of the country, it's just snow, like just snow and ice. There's no roads there. I don't know if anyone's ever been there. It's just like huge lands, isn't it, to get through? But US is like different states, and I guess there's more population and maybe more towns that on the way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, except for Wyoming. That's a that's a big state of nothing to get through, but it's beautiful. That. Wyoming, don't be fun of Wyoming. Wyoming. There's no people there. I've never been, but I'm sure it's lovely. It is lovely, actually. It's nice. (laughs) Okay, one quick question before we go on to more travel experiences. Kyle, you are a pinball fanatic. Oh yes, I heard. I heard Teresa sent you this information. Well, did she? Did she tell you that she is also probably more of a fanatic than I am? No mention of that. No, I left that out. Well, we have a we have a local league here. It, it is a very sophisticated hobby where uh, every time you play in a tournament or your leagues, they're very organized. But everything is reported to a central reporting, <laughs> you know, place where they keep world rankings. There's provincial championships. There's North Americans. There's European championships. There's world championships. So uh, we have a, a league that's only about 15 minutes from us. So it's every other Thursday. And I don't know, there's about 60, 70 people that play 45, 50 show up on any given day. And, you know, it's four hours of mostly socialization and a little bit of flipping your ball around for a little bit. (laughs) And it's uh, it's a lot of fun. So we've traveled for that, too, though. I've traveled for that. I actually one of the coolest experience I played in a pinball tournament in Spain. Uh, I was walking the, the Camino de Santiago and I was on a rest day, and, and there's a, a map that'll tell you any tournament that's going on in the world at any time. And I thought, mm. you know what? There's no way, but I'm going to check the schedule and see. And 40 kilometers away from where I was, there was a massive weekend tournament. And I thought, oh, I've got to go to this. <laughs> and I don't know, it was maybe 45 people. Only two of them spoke English. Uh, and uh, it was just a, this incredible experience because they're not used to having anyone that isn't Spanish yeah. there and, and it's all their own friends and buddies but uh, you know it was posted for the public and I showed up to that and I just had a, a an amazing time and uh, I've tried to actually recreate some of that here by running my own tournaments and things like that but the, just the cultural experience of just the way Spanish people do those things so you play for a few hours 
And then during their siesta, they take three hours off from playing pinball. You all go out and eat dinner at a big table together and and have this beautiful time and get out of the heat. And then you go back and you finish it when things cool down. But it was that was that was cool. But it's it's a very good social experience. And I've anytime I travel anywhere, uh, you could find maps of all the pinball machines in the world. You can just check where they are, show up. You know, and you'll find people that you can chat with that because you have a shared, unique kind of oddball hobby that, uh, you know, you've got friends instantly. So it's it's cool that way. I really enjoy it. So absolutely, yeah. We everywhere we go, we look to see where the pinball machines are. <laughs> yeah, there's a. It was better before COVID, but yeah. there is a website that just shows you every public machine in the world, and so you just check if you're in a city. Well, where are the pinball machines and. They're posted there, so it's, it's very fun. But what are the rules? Because like, there's different pinball machines, right? With different like layouts and stuff. Like, is it the same yeah, layout, or like, how do you like compete in a competition? Yeah, so the, you know, essentially the way it works is you generally you, there's different types of tournaments, but you generally get four people on a machine. Yeah, and you know you get points for finishing first, second, third, and fourth, and there might be you know five, six, seven machines you play in a night, and then you add up your, you know, your points for the placings you get on a machine versus the people that you've been randomly thrown upon on that machine. And then there's usually a playoff format or the top eight or four or whatever, make a playoff and you do that. But uh, it, it is interesting because you have to sort of know the rules to 2000 different pinball machines. Or... And someone's trying to teach me all of those rules, James. <laughs> His teacher hat comes out when we go to the arcade and I have to pay attention and listen to the rules. Yeah, we're not going to lie. As soon as this is over, we're going to play we right after this. <laughs> Our provincial champions are coming up in a couple of weeks here and we both have made it. So we need to practice. Wow. Yeah. So funny. Yeah, that's, that's such a that's a unique hobby. It's a unique, slightly nerdy but fun. Yeah, it kind of be is fun. Is nerdy a fair term? Yeah, 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 it is. There's a lot of research that goes on to the, watching YouTube videos and seeing how the professionals play. But yeah, it's great. It's it a is. great little. It's a great international community. Yeah, it's the social aspect that is really interesting on that. So. Okay, one question about that as well. Also, that was a harsh question. Isn't most of it just luck? Yeah, that's what everybody says, including Teresa, when you first started. Yeah. I know. I've learned, though. No, I don't know how much you want me to nerd out. Do you want to do the nerding out on this one? Well, James, <laughs> you interject if I get it wrong. Sure. No, I feel take like it away. The... You are a professional pinball player now. Well, I'm not making any money. I'm not professional yet. <laughs> um, each of the modern machines, James, has its own code and series of rules so you have to you have to know where the shots are and the rules are to maximize the number of points that you get depending on what mode you're in did i do a good job right. yeah yeah so am, am i allowed to am i allowed to swing my camera around here james yeah, yeah, I, 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 I am looking at my pinball machines in my house right now so uh, can oh, you see my pinball machine now yeah, yeah i can see one in the corner yeah yeah okay Okay, so that's sorry, I'll put you back. But that is an older one. So the older ones, they tend to be extremely simple, and they were those ones that you you, you plugged quarters in, and the yeah. idea was to get you to plug quarters in as yeah. much as possible. So the games were quick. But I mean, if you really care or are interested, 
flipper skills are really important. So you can actually control the ball when you get really good at it with the flippers. And aim. And aim. So like you can you can trap balls up and hold them. You can toss them back and forth between flippers. Uh, there's a lot of skill. And when you you know when mm. you've got your five thousandth or ten thousandth game in you can start to see it but it's the same people that win every single year it, it's it, oh, wow if, if it was luck it would wouldn't wow. be that but yeah you know on the newer machines that are way more complicated it's the rules are so in depth and deep that you can be just you know you might both two players might hit the ball a hundred times uh, but someone has a hundred times more the score because the sequence of where you put the ball is exponentially more valuable than something that isn't there right so okay. it's i'm even boring myself <laughs> so, and this is and this is where i stop paying attention yeah yeah, yeah. you just edit all that out but when you teach me things it is not luck you start at to all. say There's words some like luck. exponential i'm like yeah. Doo, doo, doo. yeah <laughs> it's fun that's where i go it is fun it's a lot of fun it's fun <laughs> okay interesting i might check it out actually because i used to back in the day i was he put play a lot of pinball but i didn't realize there was like, like a, a rule to or like a set of rules that adhere by you just like you say you put your quarters and you try and i guess you try and win i don't mean i can't remember really back in the day what what the rules were but i do remember going to the arcade to try them out yeah well back in the day you would always be just trying to get free games so there yeah. would be a score that you'd have to accomplish and then yeah. you get free games and things like that and, and the way to beat a game is to get the special there's always a special on the game and then if you get that you've won the game kind of thing right yeah so. i've never had the special <laughs> yeah it's, it's fun but i'm trying to think in vancouver there used to be some really good places good there, and, and you have a heck of a tournament that used to run there all the time that they sort of shut down during covid but we used to fly into vancouver every year there'd be about a dozen of us from edmonton would fly down and go go play there it was it was a lot of fun yeah used to be down in uh, kensington uh, oh, you never. I went. never went. That was pre-Teresa days. Yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. And yeah, actually, Seattle is really uh, uh, the place where pinball is the biggest in the world. It, in the world, it's a it's a huge mecca for it. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. For Seattle was that why you wanted to go there this summer? That's where we went for our holiday. <laughs> I'm learning. We did more hiking than pinball. Yeah. I think, but, yeah. Okay, no more pinball. I can't talk anymore. <laughs> cool. We're now going to go to some yeah. travel experiences. Uh, Kyle, you are a teacher, as you mentioned. So do you plan a lot of your vacations or longer trips during your summer holidays? Yeah, so up until COVID, my daughter basically lived with me until until COVID. And then I mean, she's 23 now, so she's uh, sort of grown up and moved out. But her mm. and I used to take the entire summers you know five to seven weeks and go somewhere so like we said we did the road trip in europe one year and just uh, rented the car in amsterdam and did a big loop through europe we did the the cross canada and u.s trip with my sister and my niece uh, we did seven weeks in ireland and i don't think there was too many places in ireland that we didn't hit and just uh, for us, it was nice to sort of immerse yourself in a in, in a spot for, you know, three or four days. You drive, and and Europe was amazing for that because you could only you could drive for a half an hour or an hour, and then you've got three days in this location, or it might be a couple hours or something. But yeah. it was it was something amazing. Um, on those U.S. trips, it, it, you might be driving six hours to 
to get to something different yeah. and, and you spend three days there or something. Yeah. But uh, yeah, summer holidays is where I'm, I don't even know why I have a house to live in in the summer because I'm never here. So. <laughs> and you have a competition with your daughter to get to the most countries. Is that right? She has a competition yeah. with me. I have a very funny story. I'm not sure if I've told you this. One, oh, Teresa. do tell. Uh, so uh, she, again, I'm, I'm divorced or, or, or Teresa would be very surprised to not hear that. But, <laughs> so, <laughs> oh. so uh my daughter, her mom is is also a, an avid traveler, so yeah. uh, she's not a teacher, so she can travel and you know any time of the year. So we're lucky enough; we get along. I get her for the summers for travel. She'll take her in other times, and so she's very lucky and has got two different parents that'll take her traveling. And so mm. um, we are on that road trip, and I don't know how many countries we had been to on that trip, but we were both at maybe sixteen. But she had been to Switzerland and I had not. <laughs> and I remember we're driving, we're driving in France, and there's an exit for I, I can't even remember. It was Lucerne or I, one of one of the towns in Switzerland. Yeah. And I'm like, my daughter's name Sid. I'm like, Sid, you know what? Like Switzerland can't be that far down this road. Like we're I know we're close to the border. And I'm like, I'm gonna take the exit. And I go to actually take the exit. Like, let's go to Switzerland. But she knows that I haven't been there and she has. So I would get plus one on my count and she wouldn't. <laughs> and I started to veer and she's probably 12. She grabs the wheel from me and spins me off of it. We had to have a discussion about grabbing the wheel as a passenger <laughs> of a car, but that's yeah. how serious she would take this. Like, she's like, you're not going to Switzerland. It's, I, I still haven't been to Switzerland. Oh, no. <laughs> you know what's in Switzerland? Mountain town. Mountains yeah. everywhere. That's, uh, that's got to be on the agenda, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So she's, you know, when she was 12, she took it very seriously, but no, neither one of us, it's not a competition. <laughs> it's, uh, but we just enjoy traveling. So, but at a young age, she took that very seriously. <laughs> what was the experience of driving in Europe and on that trip for, I think it said, was it seven weeks? Like, was that quite easy? You know, if someone listens right now, is it quite easy for Canadian to go to a European country, rent a car. I guess you have to take it back to the same place, maybe a bit of logistics. Yes, sorry, yes. Yeah. So I, two times I rented a car, once was in Ireland, and our flight left Dublin both times. So we did the like the sort of the loop, the loop. around Ireland, yeah. uh, went into Northern Ireland and came back. Uh, and, and we actually got into some of the central regions, so it was cool. But uh, the one thing I was very surprised about was the car insurance. So I got a really good deal on the car. We got the car for the seven weeks i want to say i didn't pay more than six or seven hundred dollars for the yeah the entire summer with the vehicle mm. but when i showed up and i had talked to my insurance company and i thought i was set up with insurance but when i got there uh they were very clear that i was not set up with insurance properly and i would have to purchase theirs mm. and at the counter i don't know if i got taken or not but it was another 700 i think euros uh, that I wasn't expecting. So I would be double, triple checking the insurance situation because they said good. my insurance was not valid there. Uh, and so I had to buy that and that was more than the rental itself. Um, in in the mainland Europe, the, the problem we had when we got the vehicle, we had a, a, a plan to go to a lot of different places, but we rented the car in Amsterdam it was very clear in the rental agreement that there were certain countries that that car was not allowed to go into. Oh. So we were planning a trip to Slovakia, Czechia, um, or Czechia. Uh, we were maybe even going to go into Poland, but it, it really can't leave Western 
Europe, there's some sort of agreement, at least when we were there, they're just not insured mm. when you get into Eastern Europe. And so we actually had to park the car in Austria and, and then hop the train and then get back to the car in Austria, which was yeah. a little bit of a delay. So uh, I guess checking the fine print, we didn't really do that particularly well. So, Okay. And what are some of the highlights of that? European trip. We we enjoyed France. We spent a lot of time in France. Both my daughter and I are a bit of uh, foodies, so uh, really finding some beautiful food. We were in Monte Carlo. Can't remember the name of the town, but Monte Carlo is sort of just at the base of a mountain, right on, of course, the Mediterranean. But there's two or three towns up the mountain. Okay. From Monte Carlo. Monte Carlo is yeah. quite expensive Very. to stay in, but if you work your way up about a 10 or 15 minute drive up this mountain, it's quite reasonable. And right at the very top, uh, there is this hotel and it's a couple hundred years old. And the, the guy, the owner of it, he bought this hotel. Apparently he was a, you know, a chef or a sous chef for the Queen of England or something like that. He tells <laughs> us the story, but he's a Mich- he's a two-star Michelin restaurant, which I didn't know, right? Yeah. Wow. But I, I booked this hotel on Booking.com for ninety nine bucks, and, uh, and it's a, a re- or a hotel, twelve rooms or something. Napoleon used to stay in it in his conquest days, kind of thing. Like the history of this thing is insane. Wow. And there's a two-star Michelin restaurant in the hotel, which he he serves at so you know you believe his stories because he's got the guide right in the rooms to prove it but we uh my daughter and i we spent i don't know i think it was 250 or 300 euros each on that nine course meal but that was stunning because you got to sit on the balcony you could see the town of monte carlo from the balcony of this hotel it was pretty phenomenal to be treated to that kind of culinary experience that was amazing uh italy is gorgeous i i can't say enough about how beautiful that country is. I mean, Prague's a beautiful city. Uh, I'm a bit of a social studies nerd as well. So like Bratislava to see the old sort of communist architecture still sort of, you know, built into the day-to-day yeah. society was pretty kind of cool to see as well. So uh, I don't know. I enjoyed those places, but I'm talking too much now. Too, no, so. you're not. <laughs> you have lots of cool travel stories. Though. Yeah, I did enjoy it. Uh, Belgium was a lot of fun too. I enjoyed it. Okay. And Teresa, I want to hear about your Japan experience. Quite a unique experience to live in Japan. I know yeah. I've got a friend here who done, I think, a similar to you, like two years in Japan post-university, I think, and he loved it. So where, where were you based and what was your plan for the year? Yeah, it was quite the experience. Like fresh out of university, I had never lived outside of my childhood home. So I was new and green in terms of travel and I was I felt like I was thrown on not thrown but really like thrown into this entirely new world Mm -hmm. all out of the blue and not really well prepared for what I was about to experience when I arrived in Japan no language and this was a long time ago this was back in 2002 I'm aging myself again (laughs) people will figure out how old I am but 2002 so there was no I did not have a cell phone, James. I had an email that I had access to once every two weeks. I didn't even have a laptop. Um, There was no like Google Translate or any aid to help me understand the language. And I did not speak a lick of Japanese when I got there. So it was a sensory overload to say the least. It was really culture shock really is the best way to describe it. But there were so many amazing 
um, other teachers from all around the world that sort of formed like this really wonderful supportive community. And we relied a lot on each other for that sense of normalcy and connection and just even having people that we knew that we could speak our language to um, and connect with and help us through some of the challenging times. Because it was really hard. I was based in a city called Aki and it's it's on the island of Shikoku. Oh, and okay. I don't know if you know this about Japan, but most places in Japan are, are accessible by train. But this little city that I was in did not even have a train station. It was so remote. It was a tiny little fishing village. And a lot of the people that lived around me in the little mountain villages had never even seen a, a gaikokujin or an outsider, as, as they would call me when they would see me. So it was super remote, a really eye-opening experience. But by the end of that year, I could speak Japanese. I had oh, wow. traveled to most places in Japan and I and I had made lifelong friends both in Japan and from around the world from that one experience. It was amazing. So did you utilize the bullet train system on the mainland to go and visit all the different cities and stuff? For sure. So my I knew I was only going to stay there one year and my goal was to see the as much of Japan as I could, mm-hmm. uh, knowing it's super expensive to yep. go to any other time of my life. So I, I didn't know if I'd ever get back there. I don't know if I'll ever be able to get back there. So I did take advantage of weekends, holidays, breaks. Every time we had any time off, I would uh, go with a couple of friends and we would take the overnight ferry to Osaka and we would go to um, Kyoto and Tokyo and travel as much of around Japan as we possibly could and and we soaked in every opportunity we could to to see everything okay because we done a month doing that bullet train stuff and it was oh, it was cool just going nice. around the, all those cities are super connectable super quick so there's no yeah. stress really because you buy a ticket and they're all on time and it all quick and you get there done like no no problems like to the second those trains leave those shinkansen yeah. trains they're so cool hey they're so fast you can't even tell them yeah no it's like, scary no movement whatsoever it's kind of scary when you think about how fast they're going but am i allowed to ask a question you know what I'm sure the podcaster or the you can ask a question so I, i've only ever been on one train like fast fast train yeah. in my life but how fast do the ones go in japan Ooh. so spain's got one between barcelona and um pamplona and, and I, they have a little thing that tells you how fast it is and you're on this train same story and i've never really been on that many trains before yeah. and it says it's going 302 kilometers an hour and i'm like there's no way no, we no are fast. moving 302 kilometers an hour like it doesn't feel like you're even moving it's insane insane. it it is insane but i don't think there's any it's insane i don't think there's any public transport system that can rival japan's no no, i imagine it doesn't yeah you so you want to like the one thing that i think i've I've said people ask me about japan a lot because it's kind of an interesting experience and and unique to to many i think but I have never, ever, I've done a lot of traveling and gone to a lot of international countries, but I've never mm. felt so safe as I have in yes. Japan. As a single woman traveler, that is one of the most, I think this one of the safest countries to travel in as a, as a solo traveler was amazing. And the people are fantastic. I think you're absolutely right about that. Yeah. They're just so nice that people like it. They are, it's quite hard to explain how nice they are. Yeah. yeah, it's true. I know. I've heard a lot of stories about that. Like you can leave a twenty dollar bill on the 
table at a restaurant and it'll still be there hours later if you go back i've heard this yeah. before yeah. what place yeah it's a beautiful country yeah okay i just googled actually it's 500 kilometers an hour they go the trains that is that insane. is ridiculous insane. that is <laughs> it's about 300 250 miles an hour how fast could we get to Banff? <laughs> in less than an hour <laughs> that's what i mean so like you can plan you can plan your trip in japan Using the bullet train system, and it's not even a chore. Yeah. Like you can get one side to the other in super quick time. It makes traveling better because you're not wasting yeah. time on trains or buses. Yeah, everything's so efficient. Yeah, well, that's. I yeah. know. I have to put that on the the list, maybe. Okay. <laughs> the list is long. <laughs> I know. It's true. Very long. I think it increases every week. I think. Yeah. And Teresa, what was maybe like I don't know, top three favorite places in Japan that you experienced? Kyoto for one, for sure. Um, the the temples and the history, it was, oh my gosh, it was so beautiful. And we went in the fall, so we had some beautiful autumn foliage nice. there too. Um, but I remember seeing like a, I ran into a, a, a mica scent, so not a geisha, but a, a, the there's another lay, a level, uh, a mica scent on the street, and she was just so beautiful. But the backdrop, to this beautiful symbol of ancient tradition was like these modern skyscrapers. And so that's the one thing that stood out for me the most in Kyoto was this dichotomy between this gorgeous mm. traditional architecture and, and history juxtaposed with this modern, like crazy modern landscape at the same time. It's just beautiful how they merge those two together. That was my, that's one thing I appreciate the most about Japan as a country itself. Uh, so Kyoto for one. Oh, can I say food? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, my my main experience I said was food. Too. <laughs> Did you say food? Yeah. food. Um, forget the culture and architecture. Oh, no, it's just the food. The food. <laughs> so I did a lot of uh, the you know experiences. Okay, I'm gonna say food for one, and then I have to say like the people. The people were, I worked in several schools, so I was contracted out by a, an educational district. So I went, I taught in about 20 different schools. So I met a lot of different people and families and, and kiddos. And they were just always just the most welcoming, um, lovely people. And they would just treat me like their own family member mm. when I would come to their tiny little town they would feed me beautiful homemade meals oh. and they would take me on little hikes and and drive me around to see all the cool places in their town I was just just so overwhelmed by the the hospitality of of the people in the tiny little towns that I taught in so that was I can't really sum it up into one the people no that's fair and I've also yeah. I love Japanese food what, what was their reaction to you speaking Japanese? Like, obviously, that's a hard language to learn. But, like, that was their reaction when you actually spoke to them in, I guess, their language. Like, I can't imagine what they'd even say. Well, it was entertaining, to say the least, because the last thing they would expect to come out of my mouth was anything in Japanese. So the the reaction was shock and surprise. And then the, they would either laugh or be just like, whoa, can't believe this white lady is speaking Japanese to me. It was fun. It was okay. fun. I liked to confuse the cab drivers too when I would ask them in Japanese <laughs> how to get places they would Because if, if you can really like nail a language in a country, you, you've got an extra thing going there. You can really like maybe get down to real local places and ask them and not just be a tourist. You can get stuck in properly. 
Yeah, and it was one of those scenarios where I really didn't have an, an option. I didn't have a yeah a choice but mm. to learn that language. If I didn't, I wouldn't be able to tell the cab driver where I was going. There was no. I it was a it was something that I had to do. But I'm so glad that I went when I did. I didn't have the technology at my fingertips mm-hmm. to help me. That really forced me to to learn that language. And because I had that ability, um, or was forced to learn the language to survive, really. And to do my job, I met so many people and had amazing connections with the local people that I would never mm-hmm. have otherwise. So that was a good benefit for me. Okay, awesome. And Kyle, we're going to go back to you. Camino, four yeah. times you've walked it. Now, first question is, Show is that the same one from France to Spain? Or is it different trails you've done? Uh, I, I So largely it's been the same trail. So th- for me, this is one of my favorite things to do and and i would have done it more but i had one canceled uh due to COVID as well yeah. in 2020 but um i did the camino francais the four times but i did try to do the uh uh the northern Ooh, route as that's well. the hardest one isn't it um it's the hardest one and it's also so you know for those that don't really know the the traditional camino francais goes uh i mean the, the trail moves periodically uh, but generally, it goes through small, very rural Spain. You, you go through five major towns. It's uh, Pamplona, Lagrano, uh, Lyon, uh, Burgos, and then Santiago mm-hmm. de Compostela. But everything else is, is pretty tiny. And these uh, places really rely on that ancient pilgrimage to, you know, to, for their economics. And, and it is just one of the most amazing uh, experiences that I've ever had in my life. And so I really did want to try the northern route on my last one. So it starts in, I'm going to botch this, but it still starts in France. It starts just outside of uh, Bayonne. And you walk from Bayonne to uh, the Spanish town, I think it's pronounced maybe Irun. And then you go to, uh, they call it Donista now, but oh, San yeah. Sebastian. Uh, and so, so I, I did that leg of it and and San Sebastian or Donista, it, it is like a postcard. It's unbelievable. It's a spectacularly beautiful seaside resort that's sort of tucked into, you know, in between these mountains. I mean, it is unbelievable and spectacular. But the problem is, is that 99% or 99.9% of the people that are in that town, they're tourists, you know, wealthy tourists from you know, England or France or wherever they come. And I'm the smelly sort of dirty pilgrim walking (laughs) through their beautiful, very, you know, posh town. And all of the towns along that northern route or a lot of them are going to have that same feel. Uh, So uh, after a couple of days walking that northern route, I'm like, no, I, I, I don't want this tourist experience all the way through. And again, not to take away from yeah. that northern route. I know lots of people that have done it. But the thing that connects me with that main route is everybody that's there is kind of there for the same thing. So you have that social bond. You know, you're in a town of, you know, maybe you're in Laura Sonia and there's 400 people or 600 people in this town. And you know that everybody on a patio on the three restaurants, you know, that are side by side in the town, they're all pilgrims and they're all walking yeah. and or, or, the, or they're extremely local people hanging out at their local bar. And so you get this very family and community feeling, whereas when you're in a San Sebastian, you are one of a million tourists, you know, and it, it just isn't the same for me. So um, 
the the beauty of that northern route is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. uh, some of my best pictures of of the Camino are from those two days, but it it didn't have that same feel or that community for me. So. I actually took a train from uh, San Sebastian to Pamplona oh, and nice. then finished that one on on that main route. Yeah, I just didn't, it wasn't for me, but mm. it was gorgeous though, for sure. Okay. But it was missing that experience. But Yeah, I've done a little bit at the end of the Camino this year, the Finisterre. You get to, you get to oh, Santiago yeah. and you carry a little bit more around Galicia at the end. Um, but we just done that end yeah. portion as one trip. Uh, and finish in Santiago. Did you do the the seven day loop or just the three or four day walk to from Finisterre to Santiago? Yeah, seven day loop, but we we didn't do one day, so it was six days in the end. Um, because the last day, traditionally, you get to Santiago and you carry on, but we wanted to finish in Santiago, so we reversed it to start at where you would finish. So there's hardly anyone going our way because the people were coming the other way from Santiago to Muxia at the top. From Santiago. Um, but we decided to reverse it and finish in Santiago. But the last stretch to Santiago was like main along the road. Um, so we got to, uh, I think it's the penultimate day. So the penultimate day, we just got a taxi to the, the last stretch and done that final walk. But real good experience. Like I really enjoyed it. And it's a, it's a cool, cool vibe. But actually quite quiet on that, on that route. Not too many people. Well, it, it's a bit tougher too. Like it's like I've done it just the one time, and then I took the uh, the bus went from Santiago to Finisterre the first time, but I just didn't have it in me to do it. But it is it is beautiful, and I, I was I'm curious though did you did you find that same sort of community in a in a seven or six day walk that you think you might have been like a thirty day? Was everybody still, you know? really like I, that's what I found on those 30 or 29 32 day walks is that you start to know everybody on the trail and it's the same kind of people you get a few new people but everyone is just so friendly and so nice and that one's a little shorter so I think it's a um, you, you get a lot more maybe like touristy or different people I found but I don't know if it's the same or not but yeah I, I wouldn't say it was like the community where you see them as you go because first we're doing it reverse to what people are normally doing so the people we met at the hostels were really nice and we got to exchange stories, but they're going the opposite way. Mm -hmm. um, so we never actually saw them on, oh, yeah. on the route. And also we took a few Airbnbs instead of the actual hostels. So I think you you would take the hostels, right? All the pensions, whatever they call them, all the albergues. Um, yeah, the Alberg albergues. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we met people, but I wouldn't say that it was like the community we kept bumping into. Um, but we didn't actually finish there at the town where you finish or start whichever mm -hmm. way you do it you, we did see a few people there that we bumped into on the way uh, that's like a bit of a hub yeah no it's uh it's a beautiful um Galicia's uh i mean it kind of reminds me a bit of ireland i think it's all yes. green and lush and small, quite small towns and wet and yeah <laughs> it's uh it's it's gorgeous and uh I don't know. I think Teresa. I think she is maybe going to want to do it at yes, some point. Of course, yeah, I am. You yeah. know, I'd want to. Yeah, I'm yeah, washing your own laundry by hand in the forty degree Spanish <laughs> sun. Yeah. I'm no princess. <laughs> you can wash my laundry for me. I have no problem with that. <laughs> I did offer already, didn't yeah. I? Yeah. You heard it here first, folks. Oh. Have you done it start to finish in one go? Have you done that? Or have it always been chunks of it? No, I did uh, all four times where you start, start to finish. finish. That's like 500-ish uh, miles-ish. Yeah, 800. Oh, miles, yeah. 800 kilometers, okay, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, roughly 500, yeah. 492 or something the number is. But 
the only exception is that last one I ended up doing just a little bit less because when I took the train to Pamplona, I think Pamplona is the third day. So I think I lost like whatever, 20 okay. kilometers or something on that last one. But yeah, uh, just but it was, yeah, it's all good. Um, it's really enjoyed it. It's it's my favorite thing. I'll probably do it 10 more times before it's all over, I think. But if Teresa let me anyways. <laughs> Oh dear! <laughs> how long would it take you normally? Per like, how many kilometers or miles per day were you walking, or how many breaks did you have, like day breaks? Yeah, they 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 were all different. So one of the times I did it with my daughter, so we uh, sort of slowed the pace down a little bit. The first time was thirty two days start to finish. The second one was twenty nine. Oh wow! Okay. Um, yeah, but I, the the guidebooks are typically thirty two. Like, there's a fairly famous British. Uh, gentleman, uh, uh, I forget his name, Briarly. Anyways, uh, he writes some pretty famous English guidebooks for it, and he usually recommends 32. So that's that's typical, but it's pretty leisurely at 32. So it's 22 or 23 kilometers a day. It's still quite a bit though, isn't it? It is, but when you sort of break it down into, well, I'm going to walk 5K and then have a coffee and my yeah, breakfast. Yeah, true, and true. I'll, I'll walk for another hour and a half and eat my lunch. Like it's It doesn't feel too bad. And, and until you get to that central part of Spain and it's 40 degrees every day in the summer, because that's the only time I can go is in July and August. Yeah. And it, it does get, uh, I mean, I would rather be in, we had this talk the other day, would you rather be in minus 40 or plus 40? Minus. <laughs> I'll take plus 40. I would take plus, <laughs> minus 40 any day. We <laughs> should stay inside. I think plus 40 for me. Yeah. Like Australia, yeah, for example. Neither one of them are terribly yeah. comfortable. No. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's... Uh, I would highly recommend that for anyone. If you've got the time, even if you had to do it in chunks, it's it's pretty spectacular. I think only about 10% of the people that finish it start in uh, St. Jean-Pied-de-Port in France and then finish it off. So I don't, I'm very lucky. I know that to to have the job that I do that allows me to, you know, take a five week holiday to, to do that and then run around Europe for another 10 days before I go home. But it's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd love to do that start yeah. to finish, I think. I'm not religious at all, but I would just like to do the experience uh, of the, of walking that far for that distance and kind of that community feel. And, and most of the people that walk it, uh, with the exception of maybe the last, uh, you know, Spanish uh, people will do this for, um, it's one of those things when you graduate high school, you, you, you just do the Camino. It's, it's the expectation that, uh, before you go into the work world, you, you just oh. got to finish. But most people will start in, I've forgotten the name, but it's the little fourth last day because you only have to do 100 kilometers to, yes. to get your Compostela. You don't have to walk yeah. the whole thing. So uh, you get a lot of those 18, 19-year-old Spanish people on that last 100. But uh, that first 700 is my is my favorite for sure. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So it's um, it's it's pretty, pretty cool though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Teresa, back to you for New Zealand. So you've been there. Oh, I used to live there uh, back in the day. So you did? I did. Yeah, I lived in Where Wellington. Where did you live? Wellington. Okay, I went to the South Island uh, near yeah. a little town called Geraldine. So I went. I actually oh. travelled there when I was uh, living in Japan. It was one of my vacation trips that I took while I was there, and I took two weeks to go to New Zealand, but. Oh my gosh, Christchurch was beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. And we did the little loop around the South Island, Milford Sound. Oh, so gorgeous. And Dream. I know. 
And the coolest story, I don't know if you know this, but it was a time, oh gosh, so long ago, when Lord <laughs> of the Rings was still in theater. And we <laughs> watched the Lord of the Rings in a theater in southern New Zealand. And behind us in the theater were actual actors from the movie watching themselves on screen. Oh. It was so cool. It was a really neat experience. But it really was. We were walking in in Lord of the Rings. I, I had that movie in my head every time we went anywhere in New Zealand. It was just out of this world beautiful. Um, and that was the first time I had ever ventured up a little mountainside when I was in New Zealand. And I think it, I was 22 when I went and uh, I hadn't ventured up a mountainside since then until this guy it's been a hot <laughs> minute <laughs> yeah we've only been dating just over a year I so know. it's uh that was a long time that between long, us that was a long time ago yeah. i know yeah new zealand was beautiful i'd love to go back yeah what mountain was that that you checked up it was little mount peel um I just outside of geraldine yeah it was really beautiful i don't know how long it took maybe five hours are you going on all trails? No, I'm. I'm just checking where Geraldine is because oh. my uh, New Zealand geography is not as strong as it should be. Uh, on the uh, east yeah. coast, midway through South Island. Okay, I got it here. Little yeah. farmer town. Oh, Look lovely. That is. Yeah, it's like a nice little area. That isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'd love to go back. It was beautiful. I think we drove there between Christchurch and I guess it'd be Lake Tekapo. Yep. Yeah, that would be on the way, uh, as I seem to recall. Yep. Lovely. New Zealand's great, isn't it? It's, it's got to be up there. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, the South Island especially, if you want the whole mountains and the Milford Sound and the fjords. Dream. Oh. Yeah, it was, it was a dream come true for sure. Any plans to go back or visit again? Well, I, here's my problem, James. I want to go back everywhere I've been, <laughs> but I also yeah. want to go to everywhere I haven't been. So if we need to, we need to figure out how I can get rid of my nine to five job, have lots of money. I have some lottery tickets in my purse <laughs> so that I can go to all of these places. I have a hard time. I go back and forth between wanting to go back and revisit some of the places mm-hmm. that I have been to before. But my philosophy about travel is that I want to see as much of the world as I can. So I, I have this tension between really having that strong desire to go back to places I know I, I love and the people that I've met and wanting to see new places and have new experiences. And that's a tough, tough challenge for me. I want it all and I can't have it all. <laughs> well, I think it's it's interesting. Like, and, and I think you and I are starting to appreciate it. And I, I it's been sort of late in my life before I appreciate it, but it used to be, I want to go to as many places that I can. And, and again, when my daughter and I, check it off the countries on a checklist yeah. but for me that doesn't um that doesn't resonate as much as it as as you know i would rather you know spend a month in a place now and, mm. and get to know it mm. a little bit better so i think that for me i actually now have that realization the the world is too big you're not going to see it all and it's it's too bad like you know even if we're lucky enough to have 20 or 30 years after our retirement and unlimited funds you just cannot can't see it all. You, you can't see it all or like not in a way that you want to be able to see it right being able to yeah. you know spend two weeks in a place you know get to know the locals and yeah that kind of stuff it's it's hard but uh, you know you got to be a little bit choosy now where you 
Where you want to have those experiences, which is why I don't go to Las Vegas. Don't need to go there anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> kind of brings me on to how do you guys plan your trips now like together? Because obviously as a teacher, you're going to get more time off, right? So do you still go away solo or do you kind of plan time off together more now? Well, here's the here's the, the fun fact of the day. Teresa gets almost as much holiday time as I do now. I sure do. And she can no. take it whenever she wants to. And she's, yeah. You know, uh, so, yeah, she gets, well, you, you could probably take nine or ten weeks uh-huh. if you had to, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> wow. But I, <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, so we are lucky in, in that regard. But uh, like, we've, like I said, we've only been dating just over a year. Mm-hmm. And we have feels just like yesterday. Just like yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like no, I'm going to get into trouble here. No. Uh, so you know, between the between the podcast and and we've got some special projects that we've been doing. We actually haven't been able to get away from some of the mountainy things. Like this, this has become a little bit of a job for us now on on the side. Yeah. And we don't want to turn down the project sort of early on with these collaborations we're doing with some people and things like that. So, um, but to answer your question, like, how do we plan a trip? Uh, the only trip, what is, like, we went to our Oregon. Road trip, our road trip this summer. How did we plan that? We were, we were, were we were supposed to go. We were supposed to go to Vegas. It's going to be Teresa and I going to Vegas. And, because uh, you've never been. Yeah. And... I just think everybody I know got married there. I think I've been there 20 times or something stupid like that. So, Whoa. Um, but we start, we started with the, uh, the podcast and then we decided, no, we should go do something in the mountain somewhere. Let's go find yeah. an outdoor adventure for both of us. This is pretty new, uh, really since after COVID where we've been like, I hadn't hiked a mountain other than the Camino, which you know, in my whole life until two years ago, mm. uh, you know, I've been to all the mountain towns and I sit on the patios and look at the mountains, but I certainly wouldn't climb one of them and, until <laughs> a couple of years ago. But we went to, um, we went, well, we went to Oregon. Yeah. You hadn't been. And I told you how lovely it was. And we did a lot of hiking out in the Cascade Mountains in Washington. Nice. Did parts of what is it called? The Oregon Trail. Yeah. Yeah. The Oregon Coast Trail. Oregon Coast Trail. And I just... That's uh, unbelievable. So I would like to to sum up, I think, like some of the things that we look for, we were looking for in that trip were beautiful hikes and mm-hmm. nature. So that's important to us when we Extremely were planning important. our trips. Yes. I don't, I don't want to say pinball. <laughs> Except for that was a consideration. <laughs> but we may have added that to our itinerary. But really, we were pretty flexible and we we were really intentional about having our vacation time, not about our work or our podcast. We didn't do any podcasts on the yeah. places that we went to because we wanted to just mm. really be in the moment and experience yeah. um, and not put ourselves under. We wanted to have that flexibility to shift gears if we needed to. And I think that that worked if, to our benefit. We needed that break. Yeah. And, and the nice thing about it now that we we're more mindful when we travel for the podcast and because we have to be now you don't just show up and you know it it is really given us the chance to you know we we plan things really really well before we go Mm -hmm. and we make sure that we are getting the most 
sort of experience when we're there. And so yeah. making sure that, you know, we saw that rainforest, which is what world's largest coniferous rain. What, well, what's the, I, no, I'm making up no, a lot of North words America, right now. I know you, <laughs> you're good. Yeah. It's just beautiful. North America's largest coniferous rainforest. Oh, that was so pretty. Was it Tikamook trail? Is that the Redwoods? Yeah. No, that's on my bucket list though. Yeah. That's, I think that's, oh. you're, you're testing my, U.S. geography. You know, it's it's a little farther California. south, I think, northern okay. Oregon, and then, or sorry, southern Oregon, northern California. But this is, this is a a green like rainforest, like oh, you, know, right. you would imagine in Costa Rica yeah. or Brazil yeah. or something like that. It is yeah. a very unique sort of climate zone. With it's unbelievable. Yeah, like it's basically if you check out Astoria, Oregon, it's just right outside of that area, and it's. It is. It was beautiful. Yeah, I can't even imagine that I've seen anything much more beautiful than that. Yeah. So the nature's a big, mm -hmm. big part of our what we want to do when we go somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Let's go on those adventures. And you've explored a lot locally, yeah. right? As well, in terms of nature, like the Rockies and where you live, which for some people is also a dream to go to the Canadian Rockies like, oh. and go and check it out. So, do you prioritize that for part of the year for your trips as well to make sure you see your local area? Well, we go on a we go on a little mountain trip once a month. Oh, okay. To the Canadian Rockies. Yeah. So living where we do, I mean, we we joke about Edmonton, but it's it's really equidistant between Jasper National Park and Banff National Park. So we have the luxury of being able to choose: are we going to go to Jasper or are we going to go to Banff? And and it's a short three to four hour drive yeah. to either park. But I mean, that's short for us. Yeah. We throw in some music and have us grab a couple donuts and we're good to go <laughs> it's nothing for us anymore but we go once a month to the canadian rockies yeah and then we also we do some exploring around alberta too we do yeah we we definitely like just even on a random weekend yeah uh we'll we'll explore the trails and the, the things in and around town as well but um just again because of a lot of the things that we're we're doing right now we had um, we actually just wrote a, a, a travel guide for some people as well. So that kept us uh, going back to going the back place. there for a while so we can do that properly. And then, um, mm -hmm. yeah, we'll be there for a few more months. So like the, the 2023 year for us is going to be a lot of British Columbia and Alberta. Um, yeah. Just getting into those areas and, and finding the places that uh the the tourists don't generally go to and that they're sort of missing out on and things like that and uh trying to get that out into the podcast for sure and then uh, i don't know is it gonna be europe yeah 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 i'll let Teresa pick i've been <laughs> to a lot of places so hey, you, I'll, I'll let her choose this james one. you're witness to that promise <laughs> but if you go to switzerland though you're gonna have to explain that to sydney so <laughs> no. she can come <laughs> so funny <laughs> i know it's so hard to pick and we had this dilemma and it was kind of funny and I, looking back i think what were we even complaining about but when we were starting some of these collaborations we knew it was going to take us back to the same place several yeah. times and again that there comes that tension of okay we're going back to this are we going to get we actually had this conversation are we going to get bored of banff and like what a dumb question it's one of the most beautiful places on the planet and we're thinking that we're going to be like bored or it's it's 
at, in any way put out by having to go back there so many times. But the challenge, like you were saying, Kyle, is finding new things to do every time we go. And that that intention, I think, is is being really it's been really eye opening for us. And, and when you get off of the, the, you know, the six or seven main things that everybody does, top 10 list. the top 10 mm-hmm. list, you're finding things that are yeah. more spectacular, I think, in many ways, right? It's well, like how many times we, in the last couple of trips we've gone, I think we say it quite frequently now is I cannot believe we have lived here for so long and have never seen this place. And I have gone to Banff mm. many times. But even now, after several visits, we're still uncovering places that we had never gone to before. And I feel kind of dumb and silly not having gone to these remarkable places. But I think that that's most people's experiences, right? Like you go back to the things that you're comfortable with or the top 10 things on your list. But we're really finding new little gems, aren't we? Yeah, it, it's it's pretty amazing, and yeah, the experiences for the last couple of years, spending a lot of time in those mountains. Now it's been, mm-hmm. it's been, uh, yeah, it's been life changing for sure. Okay, I think Canmore is one of my favorite places I've ever been to, especially in mm. sort of May June when it's going to be still snow cap. I don't know if it stays snow cap for the summer, but when I was there, I went like going for a coffee at Blondie's, which is like in town, yeah, and you see all the mountains around. It's just um, Canmore's a bit more set back so you can look around 360 and see all these amazing mountains where Banff I think you're more in it but um you can still see the mountains but I found Canmore just a little bit more of a a charm loved it love to go back love Canmore well and we mm. know you know for our podcast we know all the mayors of all the towns because we tend to interview <laughs> them so we could we could never play a favorite but uh uh we like Canmore a lot too yeah yeah there's there's some charm in Canmore. We we talk a little bit about it on our podcast too, and why there's a big difference between Canmore and Banff. But Canmore, not being mm. part of the national park, has some more flexibility in their zoning bylaws and what buildings they can build, and so you have more of a a vibrant scene, I think, in terms of the food and the I don't know. There's also far sense. more people that live and in Canmore. So it made, it's a bigger town. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, we really, really, we're going there, James, next week. <laughs> oh. But I'm not making Dream. you jealous. You just got back from he Greece. He lives in Vancouver. I know. Come on. Like, he's not going to be jealous. <laughs> I mean, he just got back from Greece. <laughs> he's going to go sit at his zero degree temperature, five degree temperature in the winter. He's going to be on his balcony overlooking the, you know, the North house. Vancouver mountains. <laughs> and off the, you know, yeah, yeah. The That's where I live. North Vancouver. Yeah. yeah. Air, the air won't hurt Him. his face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really pretty in the winter, though, with the snow on the mountains. Yeah, if I remember correctly, isn't Vancouver been voted the most beautiful city to live in for the last 150,000 years or something like that? It's it's always on that list of uh, best places on Earth, if you could afford it. A lot of people don't realize that, yeah, you have got the mountains in the background, but the city can be, especially downtown east side, can be hairy, to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a different reason. Uh, I was actually going to ask for maybe, can you give listeners th- between you three tips for the Rockies that maybe is not on the obvious to do list? Oh, total. Well, you, you want two, I'll take one. You take well, you take one and three. Go for it. Of, of the whole Canadian Rockies? Three tips. Um, like places to go or things that they need to remember? Uh, places to go where maybe it's not on the obvious, like top 10 things to do. So, yeah, Banff is going to be number one, isn't it? What are some of the hidden gems if you like 
that you would recommend? I know mine. Don't steal mine. I'm not going to steal your... Okay. Okay. It's ju- it's in the Canadian Rockies. It's right in between Banff and Jasper, right off the Icefields Parkway Highway, maybe yeah. about 40 minutes. Abraham Lake. Abraham Lake. I know. Oh, wow. It's got the little, it's was got that the, yours? No, but oh. go ahead and explain why Abraham oh, Lake is gosh. so impressive. Okay, well, first of all, it's massive. It's that turquoise color you see with Lake Louise yeah. and Moraine Lake. Yeah. It's got gorgeous mountains around it, but it feels so rugged, like like that's Lord of the Rings scenery right there. Little... And the methane bubbles. So in the winter, this lake freezes, mm-hmm. and um, the, the methane in the water creates these beautiful frozen bubble cascades. It's been featured on National oh. Geographic. It's one of the most beautiful, wow. cool things, James. People, yeah. there's viewing spots. People drive there in the winter just to see these really cool bubbles. it's so windy there. Yeah. The ice is always clear. It there's, blows the snow it off. It blows the snow off. And so you just walk on wow. it. And it's yes. just crystal clear ice and you can just see all these bubbles. It, That's my one. Don't it, miss Abraham Lake. Okay. So. And it's outside of the park. It's on Crown Land. And so lots of people in the summer camp there for free oh yeah just pitch a tent anywhere you want yeah yeah that's my tip what's yours uh canadian rockies i am going to choose jasper that's not so surprising no that's not a hidden gem no but i am going (laughs) to choose jasper and i'm going to say um you can't they've closed it for camping but Teresa and i did the tonquin valley did i steal yours yeah you did uh, so we did a three-day backcountry hike in the Tonquin Valley. Uh, now you can go in and come out the same day. You can't camp anymore because there's a caribou problem there okay. with the populations. But uh, anything in and around Mount Edith Cavell. Stunning. And again, I, I like the mares of all these towns. But if you're looking for beauty, you're going to Jasper over Banff. Uh, um, you don't have the amenities that you have in Banff. But... The rugged wilderness mm. beauty. And the tip is this. In the middle of the summer on a 25-degree day, you will find parking at every single amenity in Jasper without any problem whatsoever. In Banff in the summertime, you it's like yeah, winning the lottery to get a parking spot somewhere, right? So uh, yeah. if you are going to go for a summer holiday in the middle of peak season it's jasper you want to go to i think banff has its charm in september and even like january when we're going or december when we were there but the hiking in jasper i think is even better than banff okay take it away look at the fingers james like (laughs) i have an idea (laughs) and that i'm very excited about this my first time here was this year again lived here my entire life i don't know what the heck i've been doing with my life kananaskis Kananaskis country is this this conglomeration of provincial parks and recreation areas and it's just east outside of Canmore and so Canmore Kananaskis are always lumped in often lumped into the same area but if you just go a little bit east there there's beautiful lakes and mountain ranges way less people way more like rugged feel but there's some wonderful hikes in Kananaskis country um and apparently some really beautiful snowshoeing we haven't done that yet but Kananaskis country I feel I have lots of time for Kananaskis country and exploring what that has to offer especially for beginners yeah there's a lot of really good epic 
hikes for beginners. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. And Kananaskis country is home to Alberta's only Nordic spa, which I oh. think was better than the Banff Hot Springs. Oh, the Nordic spa was way better yeah. than the Banff Hot Springs. Yeah. So if you're willing to spend the hundred bucks. 120. 120 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, that, that Nordic spa, it, it's like, it sounds like there, it's outside. We, it was minus 18 when we went there yeah. and it was night, but uh, hot, warm and cold pools. And you're supposed to rotate between the three of them, then rest for a little bit and then kind of repeat the, the process of that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, going into five degree water when it's minus 20 outside. Uh uh, it's an interesting experience, but we're tough. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't bad when you got used to it. But a forty degree pool when it's minus twenty outside is amazing. Is it lovely? Amazing. It's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, don't skip. Don't drive past if you're coming from Calgary, going to yeah. Banff. Don't skip past Kananaskis Country. There's some amazing, beautiful hikes in that country countryside. Yeah. Got it. You've given me three tips there that I've not done. There See, you James, you just come. Let us know when you're going back to Canmore, and we'll help you out. Do I get a fourth one? Can I say Mount Robson as well? Can you say? Yeah, you can. Say I, that. If you got two, I get two. If you ever get a chance, go to Mount Robson as well. It's just out. Uh, it's just inside the BC border, but yes, it's outside of Jasper. Yeah, yeah and it's uh, if you can get a, a campsite there, which is getting to be impossible, but if you can, yeah, it's nice. worth seeing as well. That's a good one. Or climb it in the winter, and you'll be fine. Okay. Yeah, we are back in the Rockies next summer. So I will give you guys a shout. Nice. Yeah, do so. Yeah. It'd be lovely. Late June, early July ish. Nice. Um on a road trip. So yeah, we are coming back. Lovely. Yeah, honestly, give us a give us a call, we'll give you a tour. We're yeah, yeah, yeah. local so. tour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. And I've got on my notes here. Teresa, you're planning a trip to Ireland before we go to your podcast. Oh, yeah. I'm going in April for my birthday week. I may have yeah. been very impulsive when I plan this trip <laughs> this summer. So I had full disclosure, Karen is my boss. Karen, I had booked it before I took holidays off and had confirmed time, <laughs> but I didn't care. Booked a, booked a trip. Sometimes you just have that. Does, you just need to go. I had itchy feet. I needed... I needed yeah. to go. Um, my I'm taking my boys on a mom-son trip for my birthday week in April. I have never, ever gone to to Europe. So I have gone to some countries in Asia oh. and New Zealand and um, okay. um, other Caribbean countries and islands and stuff, but never Europe. So uh, Ireland is on my bucket list for many reasons, one of which is that's where my uh, dad's family is from. And my dad passed away this summer. And so that's when I booked the trip. I'm like, I need to go. I'm going to spread his ashes there. And that's going to be a nice mm. little beautiful trip that I have with my boys. And it's going to be really meaningful on so many levels. And I cannot wait. I'm so excited. Was that too sad? No, no. Did I good. make it sad? <laughs> oh, it was, it's a meaningful yeah. story. You, yeah. Yeah, which part of Ireland are you going to? We're, we're going to base ourselves in Dublin because, James, contrary to Kyle's comfort driving internationally, I am not <laughs> very comfortable. So I'm going to, I have a booked a beautiful, fancy hotel along the river within walking distance to everywhere that I want to go. That's my style of travel with my boys. I don't want to be too stressed out. Um, so basically, base ourselves in Dublin and then do some 
day trips tours uh, to Galway. I want to see the, is it Cliffs of Moher? Yeah, I don't know the pronunciation. I don't like, know looks either. like Mohair, but I think it's Moher. I think Cliffs, you're right. Cliffs I, of Moher. Yeah, it's, it's a minefield. Yeah. I'm going to do, do a hike a mountain without Kyle. The Wicklow Mountains. Oh. What? Wicklow Mountains were beautiful, yes. See? Yeah, the Wicklow Mountains I want to go to. If it's not raining. Mm -hmm. And then I want to, if I can have time, I want to go over to Dingle. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's where my ancestry's from. Oh. So I feel like I'll, I'll have this, like, I don't know what I'm expecting in terms of an experience, but I'll feel, I feel like I will be connected to that area. I don't know why. Okay, I so have a I have a question for you too now. Oh, okay, what? So for me personally, I found like if all the places I've been to in the world, I haven't been to Japan, but the nicest people I have ever met are in Ireland. Every time that you pull a map out, you've oh. got 14 people on you asking if they can walk you somewhere <laughs> really? to where it is, especially in Dublin. And so you've been to Japan and I've heard Japan is the friendliest place in the world yeah. to go. But you have to tell me if it, how it okay. compares because I haven't I been to Japan. But you will find people will like... I'm going to do a social experiment, walk around randomly with a map pulled out. Who carries a paper map now? Me. Do you? <laughs> data is free. Great question. <laughs> well, it is now. In 2015, Aww. data wasn't so readily yeah. available. <laughs> we just all blindly walk the streets with our Google Siri telling us where to go and turn. Well, I'm not paying $15 a day for data on a <laughs> seven-week trip. It's a fortune. <laughs> Anywho, that's my Ireland trip. I'm very excited about it. It'll be really meaningful on lots of levels. Yeah, that'd be a great trip. Ireland is a trip in itself, yeah. I think. Yeah, I'm excited. Okay. Mostly for the pubs. For good. I'm excited. Yeah, a lot of those. And every single one of them will give you some sort of uh, uh, entertainment in the evening. I'm yes. down with that. Yeah. yeah. I think that's one of the main things. Go to a random pub, wherever it is, maybe like more in the country and just yeah. see what happens. And then I'm sure there'll be a little band playing there with a pint of Guinness, yeah. I imagine. So exciting. Lovely. Okay. We're going to move on to your podcast, the Mountain Town Ramblers podcast. Please tell the listeners the what is the idea of your podcast and what are you intending to showcase with it? Do you want this one? Well, I start. Sure. Let me know if I forget anything. Because well, really, the podcast was Kyle's brainchild. Um, really, that was your idea. You invited me along your journey with you. But the idea is that... We're kind of, I don't know if you picked up on it, James, we're kind of getting old-ish. We make fun of ourselves a lot for being old, but but really, like, we're, we're not really. But the idea is we're, we're kind of settling into a second phase of our lives where we're, we're really looking for adventure mm. and learning new things and challenging ourselves. And so the mountains and the hikes that we do are just one aspect of that challenge. That's the physical challenge that we're we're sort of creating for ourselves. Another challenge is like having this space to be creative and share our stories through this really weird platform that's that's really challenging ourselves intellectually to figure out how to how to use the technology and how to how to get our voices and our stories out there on this new platform. So we're learning a lot as we go there. Uh, and then it's also taking some creativity to to learn and and to be the podcasters but i think we're both it's fair to say we have some storytelling element to ourselves so the the goal of our podcast is 
is really for ourselves to challenge ourselves and to explore these new places, but also to encourage people who may be in similar situations as us where they may not be comfortable traveling. They may want some additional information to feel like they can do the things that we're starting to do at our at our age and stage in life um, and take away some of those barriers that people may feel when they're going to new places and trying new things. And that's what we hope our podcast uh, portrays to people who listen. How did I do? You did really good. But there's a but. Coming. No, I, I have a little story. I th- I, th- oh. I feel for me it was it was like a this life changing moment, which is why this podcast maybe exists. Okay. But and I, I've told you this one yeah. before, but um, I was supposed to go to Spain in 2020 uh, mm. to do that Camino, and of course nobody's traveling in 2020. Mm-hmm. And I am at my school, and I'm chatting with some teachers and it's June and like what am I going to do like I'm supposed to be in Spain and someone told me that well go to the mountains go go hike a mountain I'm like what like go hike a mountain like why would I go to Banff and walk up a mountain that doesn't make any sense at all right you go to eat food and you know whatever so I live alone and I've lived alone for since my daughter moved out and and I was finding it very difficult to have those social connections with people but you could do it outside right you could go on some hikes Mm. and so I remember posting on Facebook, I wanted to go and do 20 hikes over the summer. uh, And I just invited anybody who wanted to join anybody. I didn't care who you were. I don't care if I knew you or not that well. Um, But we're going to do 20 hikes in Banff and Jasper or wherever in BC. And those filled up within, I don't know, three or four days. And I had my 20 hikes with, you know, 50 different people all booked. And like for me, that changed my life because I never remember appreciating, you know, the nature and the land and all of those things that are there. And then you spend 20, 30 days climbing up these mountains and it, it changes a person and it changes you mm. in a good way. Um, and so I wanted to tell that story. And I know for sure that from people I know in the emails that we get that it did motivate people to do the same thing and so you know instead of going to las vegas for the 20th time i'm going to climb that mountain (laughs) instead and it's 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 even more accessible too like it's it's free to climb a mountain if you can find the parking spot it's you know it's it's just something that is is easy and i think all around the world most people have access to some kind of mountain somewhere like they're not they're not rare and so this is something that would transcend everybody right you can probably find something to climb even a big hill somewhere it's just it's amazing so yeah so symbolic in so many ways I think one of the the best pieces of feedback we've had throughout this podcast uh, journey and learning curve is somebody telling us that our stories inspired them to go out and get exercise and go outside and do some adventures outdoors when they never were doing that before that was the biggest Mm -hmm. compliment because we're not mountaineers, James. We're not like super <laughs> avid athletes. I I get out of breath going up a hundred meter elevation hill. Like not I, anymore. You no. don't though, and that's, that's I get the it there. I, I I wish we had more time to tell the story, but the I had I had a bit of a head start on Teresa. Yeah, you did. So I had those twenty hikes in yeah. my pocket before I brought her on her first one. And I remember going up that mountain and Teresa, I don't know how much I want to, you tell the story. No, you, no, <laughs> he's just trying to be nice and not hurt my feeling. It was a slog. I remember. Which one? Which mountain? 
Well, I don't know if it was Tunnel Mountain or if it was going to be Johnston Canyon Ink Pots. Yeah, ink Pots. And I thought I was going to have to carry her out of there, but <laughs> he was, he was literally pushing me from behind to help me get up. <laughs> I didn't have pull. But I know. I was the last the last few that we have done. I am actually struggling to keep up with you. Oh wow! It is it is a, a an absolutely just. 180 change in your yeah just from just doing that and it's fun and it, it doesn't require us to go to the gym and and do all that stuff we're just out doing the things that we want to do and yeah. uh just the the transformation in our health has been unreal yeah yeah and there's something about being in nature that's good yeah that's where does about. it come into like the dating aspect because obviously you said the 20 hikes were in the summer of 2020 or 2021 2020 yeah yeah and then obviously you've only been together for a year, you said. So how did you guys meet and how did that like develop into the podcast and obviously the mountain stuff? Is there, is there a beautiful story here? Yeah, tell us a beautiful story, oh, Kyle. Okay. So the, the romantic, <laughs> you know, you know, encounter uh, on the internet, we met each other. Oh, yeah. We went on a date yeah. Uh, yeah, to uh, a brewery, a local brewery in town here. Yeah. And yeah, it's been, it's just been amazing ever since. We both like to travel. Yeah. Like, you know, we don't like to sit around and we don't watch TV. I, I don't even know how to work my remote. So we were talking about that today and we just <laughs> want to be outside all the time. And so, yeah, I just kind of grew and I, I, I do like to entertain people and I like to make those social connections. So this was a good way to do it. And, yeah. And it's turned into something much better than I could have done on my own for sure, having Teresa around. So let's start it off like you were mapping out your trips you had this idea of oh, doing all book? i know you, you he, he was literally drawing out the maps of the places of the mountain towns that he wanted to go and he had this idea and and he just said to me one day like do you want to do this with me? and i'm like okay i have no idea i was so nervous our first podcast but it just sort of james like kind of snowballed one thing after another and we we had this really great talk with um Bridget Ryan in Canmore and, and her and an Indigenous artist named Jason uh, Carter, Jason Carter, Bridget Ryan, um, they said when they were going on their own journey and developing their own passion project, they said opportunities beget opportunities. And that has stuck with me ever since because for some reason, we keep meeting people, building connections, establishing this wonderful supportive network of people who are, who are like opening so many doors for us and, and amazing opportunities. And we had no idea where this would all land when we started back in January was our first winter hike of 2022. And our first podcast was in March of this year. So we really have not been at this for very long. Mm. But boy, oh boy, it's snowballing into some really cool opportunities for us. Yeah. And, you know, it's not anything that's going to let us leave our day job, but it's more the social connections, right? We meet yeah. these people and they have these same passions and, you know, you're going to come here in June and July or whatever it is. And we hope that you'll come in and, and look us up and we'll we'll tour you around. But the people we've met in the last nine months, it's just been. It's been amazing. Uh, yeah. And I remember like on one of our first trips, I have it actually. I wish I could pull that out. But I have a video of you saying while you were driving to Abraham Lake, you said, even if this was before we had our podcast posted, mm. even if 30 people listen to our podcast. And that's all that ever listens. At least we're doing some really amazing things in beautiful places. And that's all that really matters in the end to us, I think. Yeah, yeah. 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 
that's all we can. we're having an amazing time yeah 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 and yeah it sounds like it too like if you listen to the, the episodes we're just having fun when we record as well it's uh we have no scripts. We don't take ourselves seriously <laughs> at all. You can tell. I mean, you can tell. Um, um, we're just, yeah. It's good. Yeah. Mm, very interesting story there. And also, you're right about the people you meet uh, on the, on this podcast. I bet people around the world and they're like, oh, if you're ever there in that place that they're based, let us know. I'm like, okay. Yeah. That's another person that yeah, could be potentially cool. met along the way. So that is a cool thing to... Um, see especially USA I've had a few quite a few Americans come on and they're great to have because each state is different isn't it so like ah they're local to that state okay yeah that's great because it's like what do you actually see apart from the the Lonely Planet things that that showcase online so yeah you're absolutely right about that and it is a learning curve I think podcasting is a huge learning curve there's something every week I find whether that's editing or research or interviewing whatever it is technology could be anything or the new mic you can't get to work and <laughs> I know <laughs> you realize the old mic worked fine and you bought a new one for no reason but you didn't get yeah. the right setting on it and so. now someone has to return everything <laughs> oh, <that's> <laughs> and you it's mentioned fun. opportunities so can you tell us a little bit about some collaborations that you've been doing for the podcast this couple very friendly couple from Utah they reached out to us yeah they heard our podcast and and they are called we are the we're in the rockies right hmm. and they do similar things and so they do lots of youtube videos but their big thing is that they sell travel guides and okay. they're really big into their area so yellowstone and zion and all the the beautiful national parks in utah um but they heard our podcast and they were interested in doing some canadian rockies travel guides and they reached out to us and asked if we could write one which uh long story short we did and it's yeah. um if it's not out already it's coming out this month for sure like yeah. in, in january so again it was the first time that we've ever been you know sort of professionally paid writers before um mm-hmm. it was nice that they took a chance on us it was great and you know, that's going to be a, a nice collaboration effort they want to do some more things with us because we're have the same philosophy as they do so you know we might go down there they're going to come up here in the summer so that's been really really cool yeah um i don't know if you get this but we get the the 150 emails a day about people trying to get us to you know flog their products and things like that and some of them are cool oh, and some yeah. of them aren't but <laughs> yeah Most uh, of them you get the <laughs> oh, even yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, you mean just the, <laughs> the the people you meet because when you go to a town like when we were in Canmore, we're not going just to enjoy our day. We have to dig and find the people, and so yeah. when you're forced to find the people who are you know special to a town, uh, and you, you you reach out to them and you say, hey, here's what we're doing. Are you interested in in coming and talking with us? You meet just incredible people yeah. that way as well too. So. I don't know. That's that's been. I don't know if I answered the question. Don't let me talk anymore. I'm rambling on here. Yeah. So we're really excited about our collaboration with We're in the Rockies. They're lovely people. Got it. And you mentioned here on the notes, Teresa. You said I'm going to quote you here. I think we have a New Year's resolution. We think is fun or dumb or both. Lol. (laughs) And I'm trying very hard to make sure our trips are intentional learning journeys that expand our knowledge, challenge our bodies physically and provide some much-needed reprieve from our nine-to-fives. I, I love that, yeah. It's a good little segment you wrote there. Well, how do you plan to do that? Like, is that 
intentionally booking trips, like you say, to, I don't know, a mountain town that you've not been to before, do a little walk or hike up, see what you find and document it. Well, James, we have a plan. Because someone's a teacher and I'm neurotic, but so we do have a plan for the next year. And we, like we said, we're going to go to a Banff and Canmore and Kananaskis area every month, at least for one trip. We may do some some new trips over the the summer and explore some new mountain towns. But we are are challenging ourselves in 2023 to hike or walk or climb at least 2,023 kilometers in the year. So that's our big goal. Are you doing the math in your head? How many per day? (laughs) It's it's about, (laughs) I know, it's about 5.5 kilometers a day, slightly over. Okay. Yeah, and and some of the hikes that we do are are 25 kilometers. Uh, You know, I will regularly go out for 30K Mm -hmm. walks or 20K walks and things like that. So. Um, I think it's pretty reasonable for us. We just have to be consistent, I think, and keep accountable to ourselves to do that. Yeah. And just, you know, it's that idea of letting people know it doesn't have to be difficult. It doesn't have to be hard. You can walk out your door and, you know, wander to wherever you're going. And, you know, it's not hard to walk five kilometers if, you know, if you're lucky enough to be able to do that. Right. And if, you know, so that's that's our big challenge. It's just like a physical and wellness challenge. As yeah. we get older, you know, you're more concerned about the health and things like that as well, too. And and hopefully to inspire some people. But what's the that, like? Sorry, go ahead. That that's that's the the physical challenge, the intellectual challenge. Do we say what we're doing? I don't know. If we were to tell you what our project is, you'd be the first person outside Ever. of our family to have heard about it. But I don't know why we would not tell Wanna people. Want to keep it a secret? It's up to you. No, no, I don't know. Like. Just the very basics of it now. We don't need to give the details. Yeah, tell them what we're doing at Banff. <laughs> yeah, so so all of these trips that we did to Banff, we, we you know, and again, we're not local to the town, but uh, and we're not certainly experts, but we're becoming that, and mm. you know, we have the sort of uh, the drive to, to to sort of share this with lots of people. So uh, our intention is to we're not intention we're already writing a, a book about Banff National Park, and so there's oh, lots okay. of them out there, but this one. Yeah. This one basically looks at the park every month of the year. So we've been going for three months now, I think, right? Yeah. And we explore a park in, in, in each of the month, but it's more, it's not a, so much a travel guide as it is, uh, you know, you, you'll learn a lot about the park, but it's that sort of introspective, you know, why am I doing this? Why is walking up a you know, a 6,000 foot mountain, you know, meaningful to me and, and you know, mm. and, and thinking about the things that are important in life. So it's sort of this, you know, this hybrid of, you know, travel, mm-hmm. you know, guide, but, you know, not something that what someone would pick up to find out where to go, but, you know, find the most amazing experiences in the park. And then, you know, what are those life lessons that you yeah. take from it, especially for people in our sort of generation, I think as well, right? Like, yeah. you know, we're both approaching 50-ish and, you know, well, I'm closer than you, I guess. You simmer <laughs> down there, Kyle. <laughs> and, you know, people start to slow down a little bit, but uh, for us, we're the opposite. We're starting to 
We're just getting started. Just getting started, right? And and lots of people are scared of that, right? And like two years yeah, ago, yeah. we were both terrified mm -hmm. of, of of bears. Like I wouldn't even get out of my car in Banff because I don't want to get eaten by something. But it's fair. Now we don't really worry about that anymore. And yeah. we learned from that and we learned from lots of people and, you know, it's it's made things better. So uh, that's that's our big thing. So we, we need to go back every month for the, the whole year uh, and, and show that it's... You know, you don't have to be scared of weather. You don't have to be scared of, you know, the the hard work. Uh, a mountain is, you know, for you know, if you're again able to do it, it's one step at a time, and and you get to the top, right? And it's mm. it's those kind of stories. How fast you get there? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that 78 year old you had that walked the Camino. Like you tell people that you're walking 800 kilometers, and they're yeah. your eyes you know open up like you're insane why would you ever do that it must be mm -hmm. hard and to be honest it's not that difficult it's it's one <laughs> step at a time and yeah. you know when you think about it that way it's it's anything's kind of achievable right surely it's just mental isn't it at that stage yeah, yeah. that's what i find walking or hiking i'm the worst i, I get tired of in 10 minutes walking up any incline but i guess with like how you didn't raise over time you become better at that physically anyway but i think it's just mental, isn't it? You just do it. <laughs> it's unless you're at the point of exhaustion, yeah. which you very rarely get to. I think you are just gonna keep on going if you can mentally do it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that's where you got to be careful, though, too. Like if you are at your limit, you know, know mm -hmm. where that is. Know where your limit is, and and then maybe head back down. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be stuck on a mountain, especially in the winter time. But uh, yeah, yeah. Nice. And how often do you release an episode on your podcast? Well, so far it's been one a month. Yeah. I don't know if you know this, James, but mountain towns are not cheap. So <laughs> I do I do know expensive. that in Canada, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so they're not cheap. So we were trying to space it out and do one a month. Um and we kind of we've recently changed our format of our podcast. So rather than try and get everything and anything about a mountain town in one podcast, which was lending to creating some really long podcasts um that weren't that weren't in, that weren't you know comprehensive anyways right right so we're doing mm. shorter podcasts so we're going to aim for one every two weeks uh throughout the next year uh that's our goal um so they'll be about 30 minutes and then they'll like dig dig deeper into an aspect of a mountain town or really focus on some some outdoor adventures that were going on and maybe dig into some history of of certain things that we see and discover when we go so once. yeah there's some always a really cool stories of these mountain areas like when you get when you look at the the early developers of these towns they are fascinating people some of them and banff is no exception for sure yeah like for that one so no shortage of stories to tell for sure and i think there is a, an audience for people wanting to hear more detail on the hikes that we do and and that's available but yeah. you know if you get just got an average everyday you know people like yeah. us yeah you know when we're walking up let's say sulfur mountain which we're going to do on wednesday you know is it yeah. manageable for somebody of you know average joe right kind of thing yeah or... and just as mm -hmm. as equal i think there are a lot of people that listen to us t honestly to hear about the places that we eat. Oh my goodness. Like we have some people who listen <laughs> just for learning about what is Teresa going to eat at this restaurant, mostly Eggs Benedict's. Yeah. But like it there's a lot of foodies out there. I think the food yeah, experience yeah. It's a good angle. is a big part of anywhere, every travel. So it's kind of fun. Yeah. That's our plan. 
Who knows? Who knows nice. if we stick with it? But that's what we have going in to the year. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're aiming okay. for yeah that twenty five to thirty this year for sure. So. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's awesome. And you are available on all the podcast platforms, I'd imagine. Well, okay, these are very technical questions, James. Uh, yeah, uh, how about the main ones? Yeah, uh, Spotify, some of the small Apple. ones. I oh, Spotify, Apple, Google, Google, all of yeah. like the top eight or ten for sure. Yeah, yeah. Some of the smaller ones, I struggled trying to figure out how to get accounts on them, and I thought I've never even heard of this one. I'm not posting anything. <laughs> There's someone there that I find I've never heard of that someone's downloaded me on. I'm like, I've just no idea what that is. Well, I'll, I'll have to touch uh, or pick your brain about it because it wasn't as, for us, it wasn't as easy as just saying we're here and clicking all the ones. Like a lot of them you had to do a lot of work for. And okay. We, that hasn't been the priority at the moment, but. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we'll add one a month or something. But it's harder, harder than it looks. It should be they're more ava- seamless. They're available on our website though. Yes. yes www.mounttownramblers.com James <laughs> that was the next question is website and social media so that is your website yeah and social media yeah, yeah that's our website yeah yeah we have our podcast yeah. on there and we're we're building our website actually over the next couple of months we're going to expand our website and post a lot of information about our t- the towns we go to mm. and the hikes and the restaurants so we're we're building that as we go um, and learn those skills. And then our Instagram is actually the main source of uh, where we share some yeah. of our reels and pictures of our trips and information about some of our hikes. And, and that really is just Mountain Town Ramblers. So if you Google Mountain Town Ramblers, all of our social media should come up. Yeah. But the YouTube is the new one. It's the new. YouTube. That's, That's the next one. That's how you know I'm old, right? Yeah. And, and that came from a demand from people you know, absolutely wanting to see yes. the things that we saw and not just hear yeah. about them. And so that has been slower to develop yeah. for us because uh, I don't know. We're, we haven't well, figured it out as much, but it's coming though. It's We're starting to get a bit of a base there. And so lines. waiting to be discovered internationally. <laughs> my acting career won't kick off soon enough. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, no, it's that's true. Like people were, at, were saying they want to see the things that we talk about. And Really, our podcast is, I think, a little bit different than a lot of travel podcasts because it's it's us telling about our experiences. We insert some um, uh, clips from the actual places that we go. So we bring our task cam with us and we talk about oh, yeah. the places that we go. So mm-hmm. we want you to feel like you're there on our trip with mm-hmm. us. Yeah, every time that Teresa is out of breath on the hike, I get it on the and while we're eating. <laughs> I always turn it on when she's got her mouth full. I, I don't know why you hang out with me. I don't, I don't you, know. You put up with a lot. <laughs> Just kidding. No, it's but, good. Yeah, so we got new YouTube. We'll figure that out. Yeah, and it's just an ex- you know learning experience for all these things. It's been fun. Yeah, YouTube is a different ball game that I'm starting to learn. Yeah, I'm going to launch one new year. I, I took a lot of content in uh, Greece, so I'm going to try and put it all together and make something oh, out of it. So gorgeous. that's going to take time, though. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of time. Uh, finally, before we move on to the quickfire questions, I went to a mountain town in Greece called Olympos and oh, in yes. Kapathos Island. And this was like uh, kind of not even reachable until 10 years ago when we built the road. And the woman at the higher car place advised me not to do it, to drive there because it's on a windy Greek road, so very small. 
and it hugs the mountain and sometimes there's no barriers so the fall is like instant and also the rocks come down from the mountain and you're not protected <laughs> but i was like this wow. is the extreme travel in me a little bit is like no i'm gonna do it um so i did do the coastal route and joined the main road there's two roads and joined the main route but that road through the the clouds on this mountain with rocks in the road was pretty hairy but the prize was the town and i met a, lo- a local guy there and spoke to him for an hour about limpos and he was, i wish i kind of had him on the podcast really but he was like renovating his like little hotel but he gave me a coffee and we talked for an hour about the whole history of the place very interesting i think that's like the aim of any podcast is to get that real local interaction about learning somewhere new um so i've got some video stuff yeah. about that but that's great that you're doing mountain stuff because some of those towns have never been reached they've never been like even yeah. until recently yeah. maybe where you can get a boat or, or a road there um so it's pretty cool that is very cool. Yeah, I, I, I've also been to Greece and been on some crazy roads. Like, they just really don't put barriers <laughs> yeah. on the side yeah. of their... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Crazy times. It's uh, it's interesting. It's not the, the most... You don't feel really secure driving in some of those places, but yeah, especially in the mountains. Yeah, there's one mountain town on the way. This is early on in the road trip where the Greek roads are really small. But this town was built into the mountain. So where Olympos is kind of, I would say, built on the mountain, this little town that starts called Menetes in Carpathos was built in the mountain. I don't know how they build these houses on top of this mountain. Um, it's one of the things to do there, but I don't have time to stop there. But the road just goes, squeaks through this like little town. I had to reverse back because this van was speeding wow. through and all this sort of stuff. But this place was incredible. Like It's one small road with houses either side, and then it's like the drop of the mountain. Incredible. Wow. What place? That is incredible. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to finish the episode with some quickfire travel questions. I've listed some questions, but I'm also going to bark some random questions at you as well. But I probably won't do all the ones that I've listed because I want to do some more random ones. So I'm going to start with... Hey, yeah, just a quick one. I just want to say there are many ways to support this podcast. You can buy me a coffee and help support the podcast with $5. Or you can go to my merch store with the affiliate link with Public where there's plenty of merch available to buy, such as T-shirts, jumpers, hoodies, and also some children's clothing. Thirdly, which is free, you can also rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, or Good Pods. Also, you can find me on social media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Simply just search for Winging It Travel Podcast, and you'll find me displaying all my social media content for traveling, podcasts, and other stuff. Thank you. It's travel question time. If you were to pick three items in your backpack that are important for a mountain trip or hike, what three things would you definitely need or advise people to take? Water, which we have forgotten many times. Oh my gosh. Yeah, just like a, not a backcountry hike though, just a regular hike. Mm. Or like backpacking and sleeping overnight, James. <laughs> oh, no. Different items you need, uh, I think. Uh, bear spray. Bear. Oh, bear spray. Yeah. Water. Water filter. A lighter. We're we're breaking your rules. Uh, like a some sort of GPS tracker. Oh. Like a like a Garmin GPS tracker. Needle and thread. No, needle and thread. Why do you need a needle and thread? What, oh, I, if you get injured? If you get injured. We're way past three. Oh. That was more than three. <laughs> I don't so know. So clearly we're going to 
Like, I mean, is this like a leisurely day hike? We're, we're complicating the quick fire questions here. <laughs> like, I worry, like, for safety reasons, if I gash myself out and I am bleeding and I'm not going to make it down the mountain. Then you need a Garmin to call for help. And then no, it's not going to. No, you need a lighter to cauterize no. yourself so you don't bleed out. Oh, good grief. Or a needle and thread to sew yourself back up. I'm honestly, I'm taking my bear spray, a needle and thread, and my water. That's it. That's my three. Okay. I'm taking my Garmin to get a helicopter ride out <laughs> if I get hurt. Some snackies and water. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You have to eat food. You can live a long time without food. You don't know me at all. <laughs> I do. You can't live a long time without No. I'm hungry right now. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, that's answered that question. What about three countries that are your favorites, these are each, that you traveled to before? Okay, so for, for sure Japan, for sure New Zealand. Ooh, next country, favorite country, mm, Thailand. Okay. Mine's going to be, I think, pretty pretty standard. Uh, Spain, 100%. I'm going to say France. I loved it. And I would say Iceland, except for it's miss. It's just too expensive. I can't manage it. Uh, it just stresses me out. So I'm going to say Ireland. I say those three. Okay. And next question is three countries that you've not traveled to that you'd love to travel to next. Switzerland. That's mine. You can't do You can take mine. Actually, we should go. Switzerland's one of mine too. Do you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to go to Ethiopia. Yeah. I remember you saying that. Mm -hmm. That's not on my top three countries. Mm. I'll throw out Turkey while you're thinking. Yeah. Oh, those so those are your three. Yeah. Italy is on my bucket list. Yeah. I'm going to say Spain. I have some friends in Spain that I'd love to see. Yeah. Okay. That was relatively painless. Yeah. I'm not going to say these are favorite, but maybe top three recommendations for mountain towns that you've been to. First one for me is actually not bad for Jasper. It's going to be Crow's Nest Pass. Oh. In Alberta. Have you heard of that, no, James? Never heard of it. No, look at, oh. look at, oh, it's in the Southern Canadian Rocky Mountains. Okay. It's often overlooked, but it's just north of Waterton National Park Rocky. and south of Banff. And, and it's... An hour from Fernie, if you know where Fernie yes. is. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really pretty. That's a good, that's a good... Thank you. Anywhere in the world or were we talking... Rockies? Anywhere in the world. I love St. Jean-Pied-de-Port. Like, you can't spend a week there because there isn't enough to do, but it's the beginning of the Camino there is this beautiful vibe of you know people about to start this beautiful and it's gorgeous it's mm -hmm. right on the base of the Pyrenees I mean it's literally built right at the foot of the Pyrenees right in Basque country there it's it's gorgeous I really liked it it's this beautiful historic so I'm gonna go nice. with that one nice was it three each again yeah oh god yes. okay you're up now I feel pressure I haven't been to St. George Pieterpur St. George Pieterpur <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I can't speak. I can't speak mountain, Japanese. So mountain it's okay. towns. Okay, well, you have to go to. I, I, I'm going to go back to New Zealand and go to like Mount Cook. What's the nearest place town around Mount Cook? That town. That's, that's I'm going to say question. that Christchurch. Is that, is that a mountain town though? I don't know. <laughs> as flat as a pancake. Um, oh, James, you didn't tell us you were going to be grading our uh, our answers here. I mean, Christchurch like is pretty students. flat. <laughs> <laughs> in that vicinity france joseph maybe or that's like fairly that's, close to it yes i have been there it's beautiful i will say that's that. a great little mountain town 
Thank you. Do you know what? I like St. George in Utah, just right at the base of the, oh. like right, right outside of the Zion National hmm. Park there. It's not the typical Rocky Mountains that you would get more like that red cliff kind of stuff, but it's, I'm going to call it mountainous. So I'm going to go St. George. Okay. And then I'm going to, I'm going to stick with my roots for my third and final answer. Waterton oh. National Park, just on the southern border of Alberta. Mm. Is so beautiful. Okay. But where are you getting eggs Benedict in the morning? I don't know. We have to find that out. We have got to go to Watertown. <laughs> oh, I know it. I know it. Riva del Garda in Italy. Uh, well, that's fancy. Oh, it is. Uh, so it's there's Lake Garda in northern Italy. Mm -hmm. It is at the tip of the lake, surrounded by mountains. Beautiful lake. Uh, stay away from the tourist trap restaurants and go find real pizza there. That's that's the best thing. Mm. That's good advice. Yeah, mm. that's what I'm going. Always good advice. Beautiful. Next one is going to be: Do you drink coffee each? Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so can you pick so one city in the world to drink coffee and watch the world go by each? You know this already. Hundred percent. Well, I haven't been to all the cities in the world, so how will I know? Does it have to be where we've gone to already? Yeah, I think. Or where we want to go. Where, where would you go that you've experienced as a great city and drink coffee? Oh. Paris. Oh, I had two answers and you took one. You could have the same answer as me. I was just going to take two answers. Paris is the best place to sit and watch anybody do anything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's so much fun to sit in the cafe. Okay. I am going to say. This is one of my world's favorite towns. I love it. Lagraño, Spain. Okay. It is uh, tapas like heaven mm. and sit and drink coffee and watch everybody go by. One of my favorites. Nice. Okay. And do you have a favorite coffee each, like a country's favorite coffee? That's fancy. Yeah, it's a bit it's a bit nerdy, that question, but just throw out there. Favorite coffee? Yeah, I, like all the places I've been, it's kind of the same. But you know what, though? Like the... The Cafe Con Liche in Spain, which mm -hmm. is really just a latte. Yeah. Uh, but that 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 got me into latte. So again, I would I'll just take a Cafe Con Liche in Spain. Can I steal his answer? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What he said. <laughs> this next question might be quite difficult. I normally go for one. I don't know if it's going to work for you, but like one favorite walk or hike that you've done. I've got that one. It's a piece of cake for I me. Know. But I know which one you're going to say. Yeah. Do you have one? My favorite walk or hike, for sure, it, um, is Tonquin Valley Jasper National Park. Okay. I mean, that's, that is on the top five. If I can't just take the whole Camino de Santiago, I am going to say mostly because I did it with my daughter, which was an amazing experience. But we got to summit a mountain in Banff National Park, and it's called Cirque Peak unbelievable it's it's not the tallest in the rockies by any stretch but it's the tallest in the area and so when you get to the peak everything is sort of hidden behind it and you've got a, a very precarious scramble i i actually didn't want to do it but my daughter demanded that she was going <laughs> to do it and i felt like i had to do it to make sure she didn't fall off the mountain which is a real possibility <laughs> but uh you get through those 12 steps on the edge of the mountain uh you get to the top and you can see for i don't know how far the human can see 20 kilometers of mountain peaks and it is uh that is amazing wow. like I, I have never seen anything like that in my life so wow. and they're all snow capped in in july and it, it's amazing and it was hard so it was you know i earned every step of that ex mm. except for my okay 
daughter just walked up like it was nothing, but whatever. Youth. <laughs> Young people. Okay, that's great. That's a great stuff. I'll have to check that out. I don't think I can do scramble at the end where it's like a bit difficult. I've done that before. It's not fun for me when it's like, oh God, my fourth year. Nope. Nope. So a much easier one. What about maybe a favorite beach? I have I have my favorite beach. I don't want to be honest about this because it's not going to make me look good. But no. Go ahead and tell me your favorite oh. beach. Oh, it's not going to... Oh, no. You're going to get in trouble? <laughs> I'm going to be in so much trouble. Oh, don't see a nude beach. This was a super nude beach. Oh. <laughs> well, so is mine. Yeah. It's- <laughs> I know. (laughs) Negril in Jamaica. Oh. It's the seven mile beach in Jamaica, and it is absolutely white sand beach, glorious Caribbean waters. It's beautiful. Negril. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard of that place. It's stunning. I'm not a beach guy. Like, that's the, I'm just not that person, so I don't have a lot to choose from. But uh, coming down, the the beach in, in San Sebastian is. You know, mm. especially coming down it's a sharp mountain descent and you can see the beach and it must be a mile long uh, but when you get there it's nothing but tan beautiful people it's pretty nice <laughs> it's very nice but yeah it's a beautiful <laughs> place I, I wouldn't make it as your Camino choice but I'm in trouble but yeah it's like the only beach I've been to I don't there know you go. I mean I've, I've been to what the beaches in Vancouver does that count <laughs> No. <laughs> Not really, no. <laughs> no. Where have I been? Oh, there's one in Panama City, Florida. Okay, I, w- I went there once. You can't remake your answer. It's out there. It's done. Yeah, Locked and loaded. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What about one snack that you'd have for your hike? Well, I make my own trail mix, so I, I always have trail mix. It's your number one snack? Okay, I'm going to go with a ham and cheese sandwich, James. <laughs> <laughs> With coupled with some chips and some dark chocolate to top it off. That's fair. That's a good snack. Okay. Yeah. Tie me over. Yeah, that's a decent snack. Go for supper. Gonna figure out how to get an eggs Benedict up the mountain for you. I just remember we did a hike and we were both so starving we didn't bring enough food. This was when I almost died at Ink Pots, and I remember <laughs> staring at this lady's sandwich like I was about to leap over the pond and grab it out of her hands. I was so hungry. So sandwiches. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> and next question will be, what about a favorite landmark, human or nature? Okay, I've got it. No, this is the most beautiful thing I've seen on earth. Really? And it was just this last summer. Okay, cool. The, uh, what, what do they call it? The Hall of the Gods. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. So in Jasper National Park, and this beats anything I've seen in Europe, and I love the architecture in Europe, but this is insane. You take the 14 kilometer ish ferry or no, boat ride mm-hmm. to this uh, on uh, what's Maline, Lake. Maline Lake, and it takes you to a little place called Spirit Island, and then the lake turns, and you see all these mountains just towering down this seven or eight kilometer just straight away it is the most beautiful thing i have ever seen and you can't take a boat on it unless it's a kayak so you have to like do the whole 21 kilometer kayak on your own and so that's on the bucket list but that is like on a clear day that is the most stunning thing i have ever seen in my life yeah except for you too oh you're just making up for that nude beach (laughs) comment nice try (laughs) what's yours well you will that was a good one darn it i'm gonna probably change my mind 20 times over in the next three days about this answer but the thing that's coming to me right now is 
the golden temple in in Kyoto, the Ooh. castle there. I can't oh, remember what it's yeah, yeah. called. You know, you probably saw it, James. Yeah, yeah we it's did. just so yeah, beautiful and magnificent. That's one of my favorite images and and sights that I have seen. Mm-hmm. But the the Hall of the Gods is is up oh, there too. This book died. You know what made me cry? I'm going to change my answer. See, I'm so indecisive. The Rampart Mountains. <laughs> the Rampart Mountains. Oh. Yeah, the Rampart Mountains. They're okay. in Tonquin Valley. They, we turned the corner of our hike, and they, I like, I could when as soon as they were in full view, I may have cried. Mm. They were really beautiful to me. Here we go. Wow. Okay. Oh. Next question is going to be. <laughs> The three favorite cuisines internationally that you've had. Oh, that's that piece of cake. I think about this constantly. <laughs> go. What are your three favorites? No, you go first. Okay. Well, number one, bar none, Japanese food, best fish, sushi, mm, done. Number two, I mm-hmm. actually really, really love Thai food. Yeah, I, I spent some time in Bangkok and it's just the best uh, green curry in Thailand. And then I'm going to go with, I know you don't like this, but I love Jamaican food. I have been to Jamaica a couple of times and and the Jamaican food and the goat stew and the beef patties, beautiful. I'm going to assume that it just doesn't translate well into Edmonton. (laughs) There's some really good Jamaican restaurants. I am going to take number one French cuisine without question. It's pretentious, I know, but... Like French cheese and bread, I could live off that. Just well, simple. I won't. Yeah, we'll wait. Number two, I'll, I'll take Thai food okay. for sure. Number two, and then number three, because mm-hmm. of the just the style of the the food, oh. just just tapas. I can eat twenty different things, yes. and I can just mm. have something with a little glass of wine, and a half hour later, grab another thing, and I can do that for five hours outside. I, it's just my favorite thing to do. It's it's where I want to live when I'm retired is in Lagrano so I can eat tapas every day. <laughs> yeah, it's a great shout out. I love tapas when I was in Spain. It's unreal. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And last question is going to be if there's a quote or a bit of advice you can give someone as to why they should go and travel. Uh, maybe like even appealing to people later in life. Like what would you say is a reason they should go? But the things that I, I would like to say to, to somebody is um really don't wait like i feel like people mm. make a mistake of of waiting and holding out to travel and go on those adventures until they retire especially people our age where we're shooting down the next 10 15 years we'll retire and i know a lot of friends that wait until that they that's their plan is to wait till risky. they retire but m- my advice is yeah it's too risky we never know uh don't wait do it now do what you can and nothing has to be perfect and even little trips can be enlightening and learning experiences so yeah mine's going to be similar and maybe a little bit depressing but like i'm a math guy a numbers guy i know even if i am lucky there are a certain amount of days that i have left on earth right we all have a number and whatever Mm. that number is we don't know it and how do you want to spend those days and do i want to spend those days you know, sitting in front of my TV or, you know, whatever it is that people do on my phone, playing games, whatever it is, but I want to be meeting people. I want to see things and, you know, you need days to recover and rest, but like, I want to make the most of whatever days that you got left. Right. And so that's along with yours is 
you know, if I look at the last 30 days, I spent 20 of them pretty fantastically. So I'm, you know, when I'm old and can't do it anymore, I won't have regrets about those things at all. So. Okay, that's a great answer. I'm going to finish the episode there on that nice little quote. So thanks, guys, for coming on to the podcast. I've learned a lot. You've been great fun. I love your relaxed style. And I can't wait to meet you in person. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for having us, James. It's been wonderful. Yep, anytime. And I'm sure we'll connect in person and maybe we can do an episode in person. That'd be great as well. Yeah, that would be amazing. A little collaboration. It's nice to have people around. Absolutely. You bet. Thanks, James. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my Winging It Travel podcast episode today. You can find me on Instagram at James Hammond Travel or Winging It Travel podcast. You can search for both. I release weekly clips of this podcast episode, as well as photos from the last eight to 10 years of my travels. You can also follow me on TikTok, Facebook, and Pinterest by searching Winging It Travel podcast. I do release daily content to do with travel and the podcast throughout the week. Also check out my website, jameshammond.org. There's content about myself, my travels, and there's also a newsletter sign up as well as a contact form. Finally, please rate and review the podcast on Podchaser. This is my platform of choice. Alternatively, you can rate this on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts from. This really helps the podcast gain a bit of traction for the future in terms of guests and content. And I'm glad to see that you guys are listening out there, reviewing it and enjoying the content so far. Stay safe, stay humble, keep listening, keep traveling, and I'll catch you soon. Cheers, James.